Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. But yesterday, of course, it could have been an awful lot worse. In fact, we could have had, um, you know, more city flooding and that didn't happen. Put a cork in it is a story from the Mirror today. Widespread flooding as heavy rain leaves county underwater. And, of course, it did lead to problems on the roads and traffic problems. And, uh, you know, I'm quite sure there were a number of collisions out there. Uh, but the Echo this morning talks about cork businesses at least breathing a sigh of relief, escaping the flooding uh, yesterday today but watch out there's more uh, rain on the way probably nothing like what we had yesterday but still a showery few days ahead rising from the ashes is a front page making the echo it's great to see a story like that when you hear of businesses reopening a shopping center reopening and people going back to work after 15 months so that's a lovely story on the front page and the inside pages where they talk with traders at douglas village can't wait to get up and going there was all activity and the side road that links the front village to the back village that was closed for a 15 months reopened again this morning so that's another added incentive so great news in that regard and we'll talk with some of the businesses a little later santa pause is a front page from the mirror there's a trinity college professor called thomas ryan he said that uh, lockdown should continue it shouldn't be lifted he said one way of looking at this would be to delay christmas until the end of january and have a real christmas at the end of january and a real party then uh, I don't believe that there would be much appetite for that cancelling Christmas until the end of January. Uh, the Christmas lights, as you heard in the news, are set to be uh, turned on around many county areas uh, fairly shortly. And then uh, Cork City, uh, the Christmas lights turned on uh, next week. So another bit of joy there. So three cheers for Christmas is a front pager in the sun today, where the Taoiseach Michal Martin is hoping for a Christmas miracle because he is again saying that we're looking um, and we're on target and hopefully it will happen level three in December. Mind you, uh, his own party members want even further easing to allow the pubs and the restaurants to fully open. He says level three for December 1st. Some are saying go further than that and never mind your 15 people outside or restricted to takeout in restaurants. Uh, you know, get them open. Tishuk offers hope for Christmas as a front pager uh, on this morning's uh, mail where he's quoted as saying that people have sacrificed enough. But as I say, the, so a lot of the Fianna Fáil TDs themselves don't want level three. They want level two. And that's why the Independence front page this morning says pressure on the Taoiseach over Christmas move uh, to not level three, but hopefully level two. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Uh, would it be reckless or really should we just get uh, stuck in? Text 0868104106. Even if we know that after Christmas, we may well go back into other restrictions until they roll out the vaccine. No point getting a small turkey. Those that sell them and the butchers and all those involved say, if you go for a smaller turkey because there's less people around this Christmas, all you'll be getting is mostly bone. You gotta get yourself a bigger bird, apparently. Uh, interesting news that all sorts of various government departments are monitoring uh, social media accounts of people in general. In fact, they're just monitoring everything to see what's being said about them, what kind of criticism there is. Uh, and this morning, the examiner and all of the papers talk of the different government departments. Obviously, they're paying somebody to do all of this, to monitor media, keep detailed accounts of topics that have criticized them. Kind of worrying, that, isn't it? Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of iron curtainy stuff, I think. Actually, if they are monitoring media, and if anybody's monitoring me uh, right now, I'd be very keen for you to please ask the, the Taoiseach's office as to why, despite the fact that we have contacted his office six times now uh, for an interview, we have still failed 
to make contact or get him to talk to me on air six times. It's quite interesting when the fact is that uh, he was on BBC Radio 4 this morning spouting away like crazy. I mean, he is the Taoiseach, but at the same time, last time I checked, Bihal Martin was a Cork TD. Uh, From the courts this morning, five men armed with a machete, a slash hook, bolt cutters, garden implements and hammers uh, were in court yesterday because they were threatening another man that they cut him up uh, armed guards had to rush to this scene actually at a house in Lakelands Crescent in Man. so it was before the courts yesterday and one of them got jailed for 16 months uh, by all accounts and there's uh, issues then involving um, when relationships break down and I may well come back to this because I still have a number of emails from people with regards to uh, dom- domestic issues but there was one story of a man who told his estranged wife they were sharing the house apparently the house was split in two Uh, so he was still there and she was still there he told her that she would need a court order to cross into his side of the house to turn on the central heating this was before the court yesterday where the judge granted the woman a divorce she found that her estranged husband uh, the couple lived separately in a partitioned home and he was making uh, all sorts of uh, issues with regards to the division of the house. Uh, I won't go into the full details of it. One of the worst parts of it I heard was that he wouldn't let her turn the heating on because it was on his side of the house. And then a man, the male this morning, has the first ever conviction under the Domestic Violence Act. Um, and it's a beacon of hope for abused spousers of both sexes because a man who burned, punched, Headbutted, stamped and strangled his former partner. He's going to be sentenced today, convicted of coercive control, intimidation and multiple assault. Uh, The 52-year-old accused stubbed his cigarettes out on her foot. He cut her face and her neck with a pizza slicer, threatened to drown her, stamped her on the head and arm, broke her arm actually. He began answering her phone. Her friends stopped calling then. And he took her social welfare money every week. And he told her horrible, nasty things like that she was a disgrace and a waste of space. Uh, And she spent nights in women's aid shelters. Now, that's a... One that made court and he's going to be convicted under the Domestic Violence Act for that. Um, How do they get drugs into prison? Apparently, they're now spraying fentanyl on um, uh, paper. Letters and things, newspapers and stuff that they that gets posted uh, to uh, inmates. They're spraying fentanyl on it. What do you do with the fentanyl? You well, you roll the paper up, or you roll the letter up, and you smoke it. And that's how drugs are getting in now. Uh, RT say that there's fifty million euro uh, owed to them uh, by licensed TV license dodgers. Um, uh, that on top of the thirty six million that they're in the hole for for twenty twenty. The licence fee dodgers are costing the state 50 million every year. And RT is saying if they could get their hands on that 50 million, it would make a big difference to them. That's a story regarding the uncertain times for the national broadcaster. Um, Biden, apparently 80% of Americans say that Biden won the US election fair and square. Trump ain't listening. But when he does go, apparently he has signed, I don't know how true this is, but the tabloids say that he signed a 90 million book deal. 90 million for a book. Knowing Trump, it would be ghost-written anyway. I only found out yesterday that the art of the deal was actually a ghost-written book. And that movie, that awful, awful Irish accent movie, 
um, makes the papers again this morning. Um, and fans are calling the, the say that we need to call out the act, the accent police. They're slating everyone, including Jamie Dornan's County Mayo twang in the new film. Christopher Walken's accent is shocking. Emily Blunt's is shocking. John Hamm's is shocking. And a trailer for the film, which goes on release. Sorry, it was released on Tuesday online. Um, and this is the trailer, not the movie yet. Has been absolutely slated for its Irishness. O-I-R-I-S-H. Irishness. Uh, all of the papers talk of that. And other films then that ridiculed the Irish accent in the past. But the latest one, Wild Mountain Time. You'd almost do time for it yourself. And if you were interested in getting your hands on some of Guinness's uh, zero alcohol draft cans, you got to wait because they've had to recall them because of some microbiological contamination. So the wait for the Guinness draft zero in cans has to wait another while. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Lines are open at one 850 Text 086-8104-106. I saw um, what I thought was a very, very sad um, uh, tweet online last night. It had to do with uh, the uh, an article from the Irish Sun, where the Irish Sun were tweeting. Um, it was Apparently, it was Joshua Allen's 21st birthday. Uh, must have been yesterday. Uh, and there was a, an online story from the Sun that says, Chef wishes celeb chef Rachel, uh, this, this is Chef's wishes was the headline. It said, celeb chef Rachel Allen pays tribute to convicted drug dealer son Joshua as he celebrates his 21st birthday with a chicken fillet roll. Um, and there was, there was photographs and, and things like that. Um, so that was the online story. Rachel Allen pays tribute to convicted drug dealer son um, and then Joshua Allen responded to that. And I'm just passing this on for your thoughts on it, right? Um, he said, if big media companies like The Sun knew how much damage they do to families, including my family, by constantly trying to shame them, then I bet ye wouldn't be doing it. Um, at The Sun, please leave me and my family alone. I've made big mistakes that I deeply regret and I'm trying my best to turn my life around and to put it behind me. Um, I think he also hashtagged um, Caroline Flack, which is slightly worrying to me that he would do that. Um, but what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, people make mistakes. Unfortunately, uh, Isaac Allen has, uh, has made more, sorry, Joshua Allen has made more than one. Uh, but at the same time says that I'm trying my best to turn my life around and put it behind me. And if the tabloids knew how much damage they do to families by trying to shame them, you wouldn't be... Point being, if what was happening to people was happening to families of people in the sun, maybe things would be entirely different. So I found that quite sad, actually, in in spite of all the stuff that Joshua Allen has been through over the past couple of years. And it would be good to think that maybe he is trying to uh, turn his life around and to put it behind him. Anyway, text on that, text 0868104106. Lines are open. Right, I will come back to all sorts of different matters, but I just want to deal with something local for the year that's in it. I've been trying to jump in and out with regards to the events of 1920, and of course in a, another year or two we'll be talking about issues involving the, the Civil War, but you know how we've been talking about, say, uh, earlier in the year I did a lot on Tomas McCurtain, and recently Terence McSweeney, um, and lots of other uh, revolutionaries on Lee side who paid the ultimate price by going on hunger strike uh, and uh, and dying. Um, well, I only came across a very interesting story that was being debated uh, at City Council recently. There was a proposal to erect 
statues of Tomás McCurtain, Terence McSweeney and Michael Collins on Patrick Street. Right? There was a proposal put forward to do that for the other tenant. I would think quite late to be thinking about these things as we head into the back end of, of 2020. But nonetheless, they were talking about it at Monday night's council meeting. And that motion to put up those three statues was submitted by Fine Gael councillor Shane O'Callaghan. They voted on it and it was rejected. And I'm interested in the reasons why. Amongst them was the Green Party councillor Oliver Moran, who said he would not support the proposal of the three men, McCurtain, McSweeney and Collins statues on Patrick Street, because it doesn't capture the women involved in the struggles of 1920. So the idea of commemorating the struggle 100 years ago with three statues of men uh, is not the way to go, he's saying. Which to me sounds a little strange to say the least. Anyway, Shane O'Callaghan put that proposal forward. He joins me by phone. Shane, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Do you, do you think that's a reasonable reason to reject it? Look, um, I, I don't, to be honest, Neil. Um, and look, in fairness to Oliver Moran and the Green Party and to Kieran McCarthy as well, I, I do understand where they're coming from in that regard. And I made it very clear at the meeting on Monday night that I had no problem whatsoever with a monument or statue also being erected to commemorate a notable woman or women of the period. I even suggested the Wallace sisters, okay? Now, and the Wallace like, sisters were very heavily involved in espionage um, and uh, they were actually uh, involved in moving information that was very central uh, to, you know, War of Independence yeah, yeah, I mean, and indeed Sheila the Civil War. Wallace, yeah, they, from their shop in, in St. Augustine Street, they effectively uh, ran the headquarters and main intelligence hub for the First Cork Brigade. Unbeknownst to everybody at the time, they thought they were shopkeepers. They were a lot more than that, yeah. the two sisters, right? So they, and they made, so they made an enormous contribution, and, and I, 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 I don't doubt that at all. And look, I mean, one of the arguments made by Councillor Terry Shannon um, against uh, my proposal was that it would cost too much. But sure, I actually pointed out that, uh, you know, a, a statue... Costs, would cost a reasonable estimate would be about 100,000, right? So we'd say if there was three, the three statues I'm talking about and another statue to commemorate a woman or women of the period would cost 400,000, which is 600,000 euro less than the alternative um, being mooted, which is of a commemoration park, which would cost in excess of a million. So, I mean, any argument with regard to cost is, is entirely spurious, in my view. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, um, I understand the cost involvement, and there was money set aside yeah. by central government to do something for 1920, exactly. wasn't there? But I want to come back to the proposal was rejected for not including women in the statues. Um, was there the same furore, for instance, and no disrespect to the sexes, but was there the same debates on Leaside when Mary Elms got a bridge? Or was that to well, balance I, I the fact? I wasn't on the council now when they voted on that, but I, I certainly think that was a good idea, Neil. Um, and look, I mean, I think that opposing my proposal just because none of the three statues is of a woman is taking political correctness a little bit too far, to be honest. Okay, I mean, Collins, McCartney, and McSweeney were three absolutely seminal, vital figures of the period, and. The fact that none of them happen to be a woman is, in my view, and not a good enough reason for opposing the motion, particularly in circumstances where, as I say, I did uh, suggest uh, uh, another monument to, to, to a woman or, or, so, you know, or two women of the period of coming to man, the Wallace sisters, perhaps even Mary McSweeney, who you know, certainly wouldn't be in, in, the, in you know, the, the pro-treaty Fine Gael tradition. She was very much anti-treaty. 
Um, but I mean, you know, someone like that. So I, 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 I don't have, I didn't have any issue with that. And I made that clear at the time. But my suggestion in that regard was not taken up by any of the people. So what, what ultimately year. happened then, because of whatever went on on Monday night with this vote, which you lost, was that the whole thing got scrapped then? Yeah, essentially, and like Neil, you know, you're saying it's a bit late. I mean, I actually first proposed this over. Of course, a year it's ago. late. It's the it's the feckin' middle of November. Yeah, well, I Neil, I actually first proposed this over a year ago. Okay, and that uh, and it came before the council. And at Fianna Fáil's suggestion, it was sent to the commemoration committee, and there it stayed for over a year, and nothing happened. So I brought another proposal, and um, which came before the meeting on Monday night because I could see that nothing was happening. And I, look, while I ex- was expecting opposition from the Green Party, okay, who, who don't seem to like the idea of statues in general, and obviously had an issue that one of them wasn't a woman, I actually couldn't believe that Fianna Fáil was a- against the proposal. Like, I had assumed that a party which calls itself the Republican Party would be very much in favour of a proposal to erect statues to three great Cork patriots. But actually, they were so opposed to it. Like, first of all, Fianna Fáil tried every trick in the book to try to prevent the vote on the proposal from taking place at all. They then tried to claim it was not validly before the council and tried to get it sent back to the commemoration committee. And then when those attempts didn't fail, they started talking about Councillor Shannon said, oh, you know, there was a policy, the policy at national level is against us. I mean, that's as if a policy can ever be changed. Like Michal Martin Neal is a Taoiseach of this country. And if Michal Martin was supportive of the idea of statues of McCartan, McSweeney, Collins, and perhaps a woman, the necessary funding would be made available. I mean, he is a Taoiseach. If he, he, if he wanted the project to happen, it would happen. Well, I think what he was saying was that if you put up statues like that to the three on Patrick Street, um, it'll be divisive because there were two different sides to say, for instance, um, the, the, the civil war issue. And also perhaps the fact that the party at the time was Sinn Féin, not Fianna Fáil, which didn't exist, maybe. Yeah, well, well in regard to that matter, um, Councillor McNugent actually suggested um, that uh, there also be a statue of Liam Lynch. And Liam Lynch was very much in the anti-treaty uh, tradition, which presumably would suit Fianna Fáil. But Fianna Fáil had no interest in that either. So um, we won't get the statue, say, for instance, of those three, nor will we get Liam Lynch, nor will we get Tom Barry. Albeit, though, they all have, well, not, not so sure about Liam Lynch, but they all have busts of themselves around the city, don't they? Both in Fitzgerald's Park and outside City Hall. Perhaps that's enough. It, well, no, I mean, Neil, look, the bust of McCartan and McSweeney outside City Hall and the bust of Collins in Fitzgerald's Park do not do justice to their contribution, in my view. I mean, if you go to any major city in the world, you will see statues of local heroes on the main street or square. And for instance, in O'Connell Street in Dublin, um, has large monuments and statues of O'Connell, Parnell, Larkin, William Smith O'Brien, and John Gray. And the only statue on Patrick Street is of Father Matthew. And that was built in 1864, just 150 years ago, and 50 years before the War of Independence. I think that we actually have a lot, enough homegrown heroes who made a major contribution to the struggle for Irish independence uh, based in Cork. And I think that, as I say, three of the standout figures were Tomás McCartan, Terence McSweeney and Mikey Collins. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say, again, I, I think it's a good idea to have a, a and I made this clear at the meeting, that it would be, it'd be a good idea to also have a statue of a woman um, from the period or women from the period. But my, my suggestion in that regard was not taken up, okay. either by Fianna Fáil or the Greens. And by the way, 
Fianna Fáil's vote against... The Greens did say, the Greens did say it was because there weren't women statues. Now, you say that's taking political correctness too far. And I I think that... um, you know, Fianna Fáil eventually jumped on that bandwagon as well when they realised that most of their other arguments were entirely spurious. Um, but Could you not yes, think I mean, of better ways perhaps to spend the 300000 whether it was housing or refurbishment of housing or clearing well, that, up rat that, infestation in Glenamoy yeah, and well, things like that? Well, Neil, that, that brings me back. I mean, there's money earmarked for legacy projects. And as I say, the alternative proposal would cost in excess of a million so if you adopted my proposal, and if it was four monuments or statues, um, we'd say one of McCartan, one of Maxwini, one of Collins, and one of, of a woman of the period, you're actually saving 600,000 euro, uh, okay. if not more, yeah. okay. for, I, for I, other, you know, for housing, for homelessness. I see some like divisiveness that. already. Maybe this is the divisiveness that um, Terry Shannon is talking about. I agree, Neil, with McCartan and McSweeney, but I think people would be upset with Collins. He killed a lot of Irish people in the Civil War. You see, there was that's that both side debate coming up I mean, up again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no. I think at this stage, we, we should be prepared to move beyond things like that. In my opinion... Uh, and, and in the opinion of, I mean, in every survey done, and the vast majority of Irish people um, think that Michael Collins is the greatest Irish man that ever lived. And that's popular opinion. Not if you were many, on Dev's side. Surveys. Not if you were on Dev's side, no. Well, I mean, there's, uh, look, I know loads of people in Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin who have great respect for Michael Collins. So it's not just a Fianna Gael thing, to be honest. Um, and and in, across all parties. And I think, look, we've moved beyond that. It's been 100 years now. And as I said, I would have no issue with someone from the anti-treaty tradition also being commemorated. Uh, you know, for instance, as I say, a suggestion by uh, Sinn Féin, of, uh, which all, would, would have included Liam Lynch, or, as I say, and the Wallace sisters, for example, who I'd be very supportive of a statue of, they took the anti-treaty side in the Civil War. Okay. So okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to score points here. I actually think that it's, it's high time that these that people who made such... We should be proud of 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 uh, the Cork and the great patriots we have in Cork, regardless of the side that they took in that very bitter and, and divisive civil war. Okay, appreciate you hundred years on. Appreciate you taking the call. I want to talk to others on this, including Terry Shannon after the break. Uh, well done on the proposal. Either way, uh, Thanks, you put Neil. your head above the parapet, but it got knocked off. Uh, he's suggesting um, uh, Shane Feely O'Callaghan, the councillor, suggests this is political correctness gone mad. Others might say that it's all about gender balance and we need to take these things very seriously. But what's going to happen now is no one will get a statue. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, Councillor Terry Shannon joins me by phone. Terry, good morning. Neil, good morning. How are you? Good. Good to see uh, also, incidentally, that Father Matthew statue is wearing its uh, COVID mask. He's wearing his COVID mask on Patrick Street. But well, that... we all must adhere to the um, medical advice, Neil. <laughs> including, including Father Matthew. No, but seriously, yeah, you know... I just take the opportunity, Neil, before you start, just to congratulate everybody in Douglas Village Shopping Centre and the village itself. As you know, they're opening this morning after over a year of disaster. That's right. And that's all. Congratulations, everybody, and we'll all be down there later. Absolutely. And I hope people will... People will shop in the village and and help the local traders, you know. The last time I checked, you guys are still calling yourself the Republican Party. You had an opportunity and your colleagues, but Fianna Fáil, the Greens, Labour and a lot of independents voted down a proposal to put three statues on Patrick Street of men. Yes, they were men who were part of the struggle to give us that republic. What's your problem? Mm -hmm. Well, I have no problem. You do have a problem. You voted against it. That means you had a problem. 
Well, I suppose a few things. I think we need to set it in context. Uh, Leo Vradker and Fine Gael in government set up the advisory, uh, the expert advisory group for the decade of commemoration, right, between 2014 and 2024. And one of the main stipulations that they made, and it's chaired by a former Fine Gael TD, one of the main stipulations they made was that there would be no funding for statues. No funding for statues. Now, Councillor O'Callaghan has been told that on any numerous of, uh, occasions. As you say, his first motion came in over 12 months ago and went to the Commemorative Committee and locally. And he was told there is no money uh, coming from government for statues. But they, they, but they set money so, aside for commemorations, didn't they? They did, but not for statues. Now, there was €900,000 set aside this year for the 31 local authorities around the country, and Cork City Council received 350000 But who is Leo Varadkar to tell us in Cork whether we can put up a statue or not? No, no, we can put up a statue if we like, but the government and the, the National Advisory Committee aren't going to pay for it. But should we didn't spend the, the money, we didn't spend the money for it, the commemorations it, it, because... It, you see, this is... Hold on a minute, Neil. You know, Councillor Callaghan doesn't seem to be aware of what's happening. Now, I do accept he's a new member of council and there's a certain amount of naivety about how to get things done in City Hall. We received 300... Ah, well, I mean, that's not fair, Terry, to call a guy naive. I mean, I wanted both of you guys to talk together at the same time, but for some reason that wasn't agreed. But I don't know whether you disagreed or he disagreed. Which was it? Can I I just say to the whole idea of the decade of commemoration was to commemorate in a non partisan way and not to get into you know this uh, you know my side and your side and the reason the committee there was no side back then in 1920 there was only one side I mean you, you failed to see that like hold Mc, on a moment McSweeney and Mc, yeah go ahead it okay alright the reason the, the advisory committee decided that there wouldn't be funding for statues was because the minute you start talking about one side, as happened the other night at council, you start talking about the other side and you'll have any number of proposals that way. And so during our own public participation consultation process, there was a, there was a view by the public and we, we had a public consultation process that people would much prefer to have commemorations in terms of public events, exhibitions, and that's what the money was spent on. The money is spent, Neil. On what? €250,000 was spent. On what? Well, for instance, we've had three publications uh, uh, this year already in conjunction with the library and with the, with the, with the Cork Examiner. We had one publication, which was the, the inquest on the murder of McSweeney, which was a collaboration between Kieran McCarthy, councillor, and the Cork Examiner. The Forgotten Lord Mayor, which has just been uh, released now. Was they're books, are they? Living. Oh, but they're funded by City Council. And so you, you printed books? Yeah. We did, Neil, which, which, which explains the whole history of the period. There was... Uh, but it's sta- statues of so for, forever. Hold, hold on a minute now. Books go into libraries and people's houses, they get forgotten about. Other people don't read them, they don't buy them. I never heard of them, I never got them. Books. Well, Neil, there's a number of uh, bookshops in Cork that you could walk into and buy them. Without a doubt I could, but I wouldn't you mind walking up and down Patrick Street and seeing those yeah. that oh, were responsible for the reason hold that I'm... Hold on, hold on a moment. In the now, Irish Republic. Say, let me explain, yeah. We had about between 25 and 30 uh, community groups who we spent €150,000 on their various uh, exhibitions locally and in our libraries. The schools were Libraries involved. were closed. And, and uh, well, don't you know, but I mean, they weren't closed all year, Neil. And they'll be open again and the exhibitions are there. We have an exhibition below in the archives 
and in the museum. There's a fantastic. Uh, uh, okay, but none of those are for none of those are for perpetuity, right? St Peter's and see the exhibition. I did. I've been there a couple of times, and it's superb. And the 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 Patrick Street Festival of the St. Patrick's Day Festival, which, as you cancelled. know, was cancelled within a fortnight of it. Yeah. But there was money spent on that as well. So the idea that there's money kind of in a pot somewhere left over isn't the case at all, right? And, of course, we have a lot of stuff then. There's another seven exhibitions uh, that are uh, going to be put on between 21 and 22. I mean, there'll be more money there for that as well. So that is the way we're trying to do this, but nationally. But I thought so that, that, the, I thought the, that council had set aside a million or something for a commemoration park. No, no, I don't know you got that for. Who told you that? Councillor Shane O'Callaghan said his plan would cost 300000 and the alternative put forward by council is a commemoration park which well, would cost see, a million. Yeah, but they see, the figures being bandied around here. Were you not during aware of that? Part- no, no. <laughs> Neil, during the public participation process, discussion of a park was muted and we are looking at that. It's not going to be a new park though. We're looking at possibly having a kind of a freedom trail. We're looking at maybe Bellsfield or maybe the Marina Park or indeed Bishop Lucy okay. Park. All right, and all uh, of those. They'll be, they're existing parks. So the idea that... Any, okay, I understand all that. And they're, and they're, and they're, they're marvellous ideas. The Republican plot in St. Finbar Cemetery is another area we're looking at to try and maybe beef that up and have, you know, proper signage. But why are you... Why... Okay, but this... Okay, but why not? What's your problem with statues? Is it because they're three because, men? Well, well, not at, well. I suppose that is a point, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, if you consider, I mean, we certainly couldn't be accused of not celebrating, commemorating Thomas McCartan and Terence McSweeney and Michael Collins. There's no question about that. But there is a view, uh, it, it, and it came out during the public participation process again, that there was an awful lot of other people, both who died, but also who lived through that period, both men and women, who have never been commemorated and should be commemorated. I mean, Joe Murphy died the same day as Terence McSweeney, and very few know about him. You mentioned the Wallace sisters, Leslie Bandabara, who founded the, 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 the Red Cross. They, they lived, as you know, Tom Barry lived on Patrick Street. So, you know, the minute you start talking about statues, where does it end and whose side? And that's the problem we have. We want to make the, commemor- the decadent commemoration as impartial, to, for want of a better word, as we possibly can. So the now, best case scenario, there, no, wait a second, so oh, the no, solution no, to this, no, wait a second, the solution to this that... The war of independence, can you imagine what's going to happen when we get into the position, uh, the, 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 the period of the, the civil war, if we can't, if this type of uh, uh, bipartisan, uh, our partisan politics is coming in, and then Shane O'Callaghan blaming, I mean, Fianna Fáil, his own party leader on city council asked him to withdraw the motion. But now the solution is to have no at all. And it's a bizarre thing that it's actually Fianna Fáil voted against this. No, no, you would no, think no. it would be the other way around. You're not listening to me. The national funding body for commemorations, for the decade of commemorations, the first principle and policy they have is they will not fund statues. Now, the cost of a statue, and again, I heard Councillor Callan talk about the cost. We were asked to write to, to the government for money. We were never told how much, and Shane hasn't. No proper due diligence has been done as to how much a statue would cost. The Father Matthew statue, as we know it, would cost now, and I've got this from city officials, probably about 200,000 euros, maybe a bit more. 
So now you're looking at nearly quarter uh, uh, or three quarters of a million euro for three statues on Patrick. He's funded it at three hundred thousand. Are you seriously? Okay. Are you seriously telling me not at all? A bronze statue, lie or a metal statue, life size on top of a ten foot by four foot plinth will cost minimum. If there were money, okay, just finally, if there were money and there wasn't any directive nationally not to have statues, would you then think it would be okay to mark McCurtain, McSweeney and Collins with a statue on Patrick Street? My view would be, I certainly would look at it, but I do believe, and I I, I take on board what the public consultation process, what came out of that, and that's what the people of Cork said to Cork City Council when we went through the public consultation process. They wanted more participatory type of events. Uh, but certainly if we were to be putting some sort of memorials up, I think we need to be looking at others in terms of the Wallace sisters, in terms of Leslie Bandabara, uh, maybe Joe Murphy, people who haven't been celebrated and remembered. There's many, many people. And, you know, there's an awful lot of people who lived through that period who were traumatized by it as well. Uh, and so and they need to be celebrated and commemorated. I don't think anyone could suggest that we as a city council, or indeed the county, have forgotten McCurtain or McSweeney or or Collins. We we certainly haven't. And I think But you don't value them enough to give them a statue. Meanwhile 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 Michal Martin unveiled the statue to Sir Sir um to Admiral Drake outside Lidl in Carrigaline, uh, and Drake killed six hundred people on Rathlin Island before he came into and Drake's that's pool. The very point, and, and that was your party leader. There's no issue yeah, with that, and the, the unveiling a, sta- a no, statue, no, statue he, to a butcher. But you've put your finger on it there, Neil. Well, that was me, Martin. One sec, yeah, okay, yeah. And by what you've just said about it, and that he killed all these people, we've seen statues coming down around the world because of that and how divisive statues can be. And you've just made a point there about Drake and how divisive he was. That's the point that the National Commemoration Committee said about statues. The minute you start talking about statues... Maybe the statue should... Maybe that statue should go. I mean, he started a lot of the trade routes that ultimately went on to become slave routes. And if you want to start that campaign... But your your party leader, the Taoiseach, unveiled a statue to a butcher down in Carrigan. Yeah, I don't know any I don't know about that, Neil, and that that's look if you want to start a campaign to take it down off with you the point I'm making the minute you start talking about statues it's a case of oh well I think this person or I think and then where does it end the whole idea of the decade of commemoration is to be bipartisan non-political and reconciliation so have none at all by Shane O'Callaghan talking and deriding Fianna Fáil when I have to say there was a widespread disagreement with him and he was told 12 months ago that his own party in government had said there will be no money for statues. I heard that from you I heard that from you. The Greens said the idea of commemorating the struggle 100 years ago with three statues of men it certainly doesn't capture the women involved is that a fair point? I think it most certainly is. There's no doubt about that it is but I mean we need to and look we're going into now a period of the civil war and I think we all need to remember that this is a very sensitive issue and people have views and we want to try and commemorate in a manner that is, uh, you know, non-party political and that we celebrate and commemorate these people and we don't try and get up to political one-up. Okay, Marion Douglas, Douglas, Douglas says if Terry Shannon is right, uh, I'm all in favour of remembering our dead but not at the expense of the taxpayer. Three quarters of a million would go a long way to improving footpaths and housing. You'd agree with that, no doubt? 
Well, yeah, but look, we have put money aside for for the commemoration. So, and and the, 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 we're doing our budget on Monday in City Hall, and you know, we we, we will be funding all those other. So now, yeah, but now they all get forgotten for about. McSweeney, McCartan, Collins, the Wallace sisters, Maura Debarra, Red Cross, coming on. None of them get a statue. Mm, would you ever do me a favour? And when, please God, we open up in December, go round. I'll get you all the books now. The three <laughs> books that we've publicised, right? Uh, we'll go down and we'll have a look at what's in St Peter's. We'll go over we'll been there. into the archive. You'll see what we're doing and have done and will be doing in the next couple of years, right up to 2024. And, you know, the Civil War period that we'll be commemorating is going to be difficult. We need to do it in a, in a, in a prudent way. And certainly from what I've seen of this uh, and, and Shane O'Callaghan and his trying to badger people into his way of thinking, I'm around City Hall a long time, Neil. I know how to get things done. And this isn't the way to do and it. And in this case, you know how to get things not done. All right. Thanks, Terry. Thanks well, for taking the call. Appreciate you. it. Terry Shannon, Fianna Fáil Councillor. Lines open at one 850 Text on this, incidentally. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. The statues of revolutionary figures in Cork was uh, rejected by vote on Monday night for not including any women. Um, wondering what your thoughts are on that. Text 0868-104-106. Mossy Fila. Mossy, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning to you. How are you? What are your thoughts on this? Good man. Listen, do you see all that crap going on there at the moment? Yeah. That's a heap of rubbish. And I tell you the reason why. Yeah. There is only one statue to a woman anywhere in our country. That's a Bob Dyer, a statue of Countess de Marcus, who was the founder of Fianniarden. Just no one, one, is it? Simply saying, they can put statues up to everything. As a matter of fact, some of the statues up to all those who fought the War of Independence have a lot of disgrace. They haven't even been clean. But worse than that, men aren't here, the women of Ireland. You have the McSweeney sisters. You have the Wallace sisters. You had a, a family from Douglas Street, I think, Fisher's. You had people like, oh, grandparents, grandmothers, they carried the guns and everything else. The War of Independence, we're sad to say, so it's over and done with, thanks to the God. We have a government now in power that said, in fairness to both the leaders of the Fall, we increased, this is the end of that, thanks to the God. What I am saying is this, the only uh, uh, practice of um, General Tambury is a little thing about the size of a frame pan on top of wood for boardings. Oh, there is, but there's also a bust to Tom Barry in Fitzgerald's Park. You can't, you can't even see it. There's not. If you go to General Tom Barry's grave, I go down the second of July, and I was out there recently. I go to the commemoration. There's himself and his wife, who remember was a nurse in the GPO during the whole uh, uh, Easter week, right? And got jailed there also. I honestly believe that there should be a statue. And I don't care. The fucking squandered enough for money in the city. A statue to what, here. though? There should be a statue to the women of Ireland, and to especially Connemon and Cork, inside the, the park and the Grand Parade. Now, it won't cost that much. Right? I hear uh, Terry Shannon talking about this, that, and the other thing. I think, I think, freaking jokeness. It's a disgrace. Rebel Cock. It's another disgrace that there is nothing up to the women of but so you, so you were agreeing then. You, so you're agreeing then that Tomas McCartan, Terence McSweeney, and Michael Collins shouldn't get a statue at all. I, well, they're outside the city hall already, and I am not those men, and I thank them for the glory what they done for our country. But the point at the moment, the statues outside the city hall, all of them. 
Why isn't that one to the women? But if they cost a hundred grand each, surely, surely well, they could well, go. Well, they I'll could. tell you what I do with you in a minute, in no. this very minute. I'll get them to you if the city hall for 50,000. I'll get them to you that if I had good old meanies, I'll get the people to to put the other 50,000 here. No, and fair play to you for your for your love of your city and and its history and its heritage. But if if there were a hundred grand each, and it came to three hundred for the men, then the Wallace what, sisters added to that would be four hundred grand. We could have come up what, with that. No, Surely there was no, a solution no. to this. What I say is this: if you proper proper a real good, even a decent track, and put all their names on it. The only thing they have at the moment that are on glory at the moment is outside all day. Outside all the graveyards, they, they, they fly the national flag every year. But now we have nothing at all because they couldn't agree it. Is that a good thing? Of course it's not a good thing. It proved that the civil war was over. Thanks for God. And I, again, I compliment the leaders of the parties that came together. We know there was terrible things happening in our country. Right? Let's make sure it never happens again. Let's bring people together instead of dividing them. But again, I'm asking you, does that mean that Terence McSweeney, McCurtain and Collins shouldn't get a statue? No, that they should I don't re- think so. They should revisit so. it again at council and look if at... You go, no, if you go to the Bear Cemetery, there's, their graves are there in a prominent position. There's always people there. I bless, I'm not a great religious man, but I bless myself whenever I pass towards that graveyard. If I go in there, I go there twice a year. My parents are buried here as well. But my attitude is this. The women are cock. There's nothing up there to want. Mm. Nothing. Mm. I've been fighting this all my life. Going to different people. I've blown the year from going to city hall. Oh yeah, next year. Ah, that'll be done in six months time. That'll be done. It's about time the women are cock. When I'm on the subject of women, you might have seen about their wages recently. Yeah. The women are paid 20% less than men. What should I talk? We were all citizens of the Irish Republic. Yeah, I think the figure is 14%, but I'm not going to argue the toss with you on that. You are right. Yeah, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. I just by chance was getting up because I got something late. <laughs> I just said to myself, thanks for the Christ that man at the radio was out and putting this out in public. At well, I'm glad you picked up the phone. How have you been getting on through lockdown, Marcy? I can't come. I can't, you know, it's as simple as this. Do anything again, I appeal to, and I know a cock will do it. Right? I was born in the marsh, and I feel like I was born in hard times. No, my attitude, I'm going, you could go next door for a cup of sugar. I'm making an appeal now to people. I know no way of a wonderful parish, I couldn't say enough about it. If you know any person living on their own, Maybe once or twice to each, just knock at the door. You can stand back and say, John or Mary or Massey, are you okay for me? Got anything out there? Want anything? Yeah, yeah. Words well said. You know what I mean? Check if in. You go to country now at the moment, and if you come out, say, Moscow, and if you come along now at four o'clock in the day, you see a small little house with the smoke coming out of it. Who's living there? You know that a postman told me about a fortnight ago that people in rural places are posting letters to themselves so that the postman or woman will call. I think that's very I, sad. I believe it. And this is what I'm coming up about now. You see them. No, usually when this civil war, the whole lot was over, most of the family had to emigrate. But there was always a son or a daughter stayed behind to look after mum and dad. Some of them are over 90 years of age now. Mm-hmm. They're living in their own. The only place that they can go is down to Mass. 
just to look to see will they meet for Arles to go and they went to the post office yeah. the post office and the man reading the reading the SV might be the only people they see in it two months I know I know words of sense and, and that's why I want to and, and while we're on the monument that will go up to be to those people as well we have wonderful people in our country and I think the present day government have done a great job under the circumstances. All right, let's kid. All, let's all pull together. And Noel, I couldn't thank you enough for taking me call. <laughs> Your gentleman, Mossy, as always. Mind yourself. Have a great Christmas if I don't see you before then, all right? Thanks very much, Noel. Take care. The great Mossy feeling. Text 0868104106, lads. We're back after 10. My apologies. I'll hold the other calls until after 10 this morning. Thank you. Back after 10. It's almost 10 o'clock. Lots of texts on this, and I'll read them out. Text 0868104106, and I'll come back to them in a few minutes' time. Big talking issue this morning and uh, and calls as well. Uh, Michael, good morning. Thanks for holding. Morning, Neil. How are okay, you? what do you think of this idea? What what we do know now is that none of the statues will happen. Uh, Fianna Fáil, interestingly, voted against it. Um, so did the Greens, Labour, and some of the Independents. And one of the main reasons for it is that it didn't include any women. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, we, I think we kind of learned over the summer. You know, the the idea of you know individual people stuck up on a pedestal is kind of um, it's divisive. Still divisive. You know, yeah. it kind of glosses over history a little bit. You know, in terms of one side or the other, and you know, saying, "Oh, this is a great man," because you know, when you look back in history, there's no, there's no angels. You know, but do you not think that and everybody it, would agree? For instance, the McCartan, McSweeney, and yeah. maybe Collins were great men. No, yeah, oh, no, no doubt about us. You know, and you know, I, I think maybe we've probably missed the chance of actually, you know, putting those kind of statues up. You know, if they were put up, you know. 10, 20 years ago, even five years ago, you know, you probably wouldn't have had these arguments about them, you know, people probably would be happy to put them up and, you know, enjoy them. And we probably are lacking, you know, a lot of monuments in Cork City anyway. You know, apart from Prada Machu statue, you know, that kind of prominent, you know, figurehead at the head of the, our main uh, city street. You know, we don't have a whole lot of that. So it's a shame that, you know, we didn't do this already, but... We've kind of maybe missed the boat on... And, and it's know, interesting when you look, you have to wonder how relevant m- m- even Father Matthew's statue is anymore. I'm not, I'm not being critical yeah. about it, but that was to do with anti-drink and the temperance movement, which clearly didn't take off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but he, you know, he's still, he's still there. Like, you know, he's part of, part of the city and he's part of the story, you know, um, whatever, whatever you think of him or any other individual, but... I think just, you know, the appetite for individual people stuck on pedestals is kind of, I think it's gone, you know, the, the mood of people is gone towards that. Like, um, There's no appetite for statues anymore then. Interesting thought. Okay. No, not, not indi- no, I mean individuals, you know, individual people because, you know, one side will argue, oh, he was this, he was that, he was the other thing. You know, it would probably be nicer to see, you know, a kind of memorial or, you know, kind of a montage to, you know, various people, especially yeah, but they men, men they, and women and children yeah. who died and suffered during the Well, that's a good idea, but they couldn't even get that right, so they've agreed to do nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's what I mean. You know, we'll just be bickering, we'll never get anything. You know, and there's, uh, the other point I was going to make is, like, Patrick Street is probably a bit cluttered, or not that cluttered, but I think it'd be hard to kind of fit even a hard to match a statue of Collins or McSweeney or anyone, you know, on the street with the layout it is at the moment, you know, so there just needs to be a bit of fresh thinking in terms of, you know, if we're going to build a monument, what do we do and where do we put it? Okay, okay. There's plenty of other spots, you know, along the docks there, we can put something, 
big and new, you know, something prominent. Well, good points. We don't. Statue yeah. Okay. In Patrick Street. You know? All right. Appreciate it. We don't have to worry about it anytime soon because it ain't going to happen. But thank you, Michael. <laughs> Let me get some texts on here. Text 0868104106. What about Tom Barry? Morning. I agree with McCurtain and McSweeney, but I think a lot of people would be upset with Michael Collins. He killed a lot of Irish people in the Civil War. I'd prefer to see an up and coming artist creating three statues of the homeless. Uh, if this was a vote in Cork City, it would be a landslide to erect the statues, Neil. I wouldn't mind it being rejected with a valid reason, but the excuse they mentioned regarding women is a bit pathetic excuse of PC-ness. Morning, what about the tourists who see the statues and learn the history of Ireland and Cork? None of these people would have come across that in any of those books. Uh, the cost of, this, of the Patrick Street statues was 400000 That's the same amount they spent on the roundabout at the airport, remember? Yes, and that wasn't actually on the roundabout, roundabout in itself. It was the uh, different types of sculpture of, uh, like, paper airplanes taken off, wasn't it? Most people will want to, well, they weren't paper, they were made of metal, but they were supposedly looking like paper. Uh, most people would want a statue of Michael Collins have learned their history based on the Michael Collins film, which is totally biased anyway. Morning, our, our Cork Republicans gave their lives to their beloved city. They paid the ultimate price. A statue is merit and not about sex, says Rob. There is a story the other week about spending 450000 in Dublin to clean the spire. Is that true? Yet they can't find money for statues in Cork. It's ridiculous, ludicrous. 450 grand to clean this bar? What were they cleaning it with, like, in fairness? Um, Champagne? What were they doing, putting gold plate on it? Two million euro was spent on the heap of rust in Fitzgerald's Park. There should be no more wasting taxpayers' money. Houses are needed, says Frank. Are you referring to the Dermot Gavin um, sculpture, the, uh, the hanging eye? I can't remember how much that was. That was another very embarrassing story uh, for Cork City Council for a long, long time. It ended up uh, almost rusting away down the marina for a long time. Two million euro was spent on that. Okay, and, uh, on, on that heap of rust up in Fitzgerald. I don't think it was that much, but it certainly was a lot of money. I think I think 450 grand springs to mind. I don't know why, but I've got that figure in my head. If you consider how Cork Corporation have destroyed our heritage then one can see that they are no better than the black and tans at Cork Corporation. Try and get your hands on any of them. Like, talk to Michael Lenehan and talk to others regarding uh, the burning of Cork. They're the historians we should be listening to. Uh, we need a civil war now, more than ever, against the mock, self-serving, so-called unelected government. They can't get funding to salute these men that paid the ultimate price. Their sacrifice put these officials where they are today. And if someone could follow a measuring tape, they wouldn't have the most expensive printer in the world. Still unused, says Anthony. <laughs> it, was, it was all down to a measuring tape. Not being able to measure the size of the door to see if they could get the doll printer in. Well said. If Terry Shannon claims that Shane O'Callaghan is naive in the way he tries to get things done in council, he said he's new to the job. I'm just wondering, is Terry saying that, uh, that Shane doesn't know how to lick the other members behind or pass brown envelopes to get what he wants? I believe that it ever, if it ever happened uh, on Lee's side, and I have some uncorroborated evidence that it did happen in the past, I would imagine all of that carry-on is well and truly gone now. Uh, or am I being naive, not casting any aspersions on sitting councillors? I'm raging listening to Terry Shannon because it's all waffle. Shocking. They squandered money on books. I'd rather see statues of great men and women around our city. Statues that my grandchildren would ask me about. They won't ask me about a book on a shelf. You're dead right when you say, who is Leo to tell us that we can't 
by statues in Cork, says Mags. Uh, and there's a whole lash more of those texts to uh, 0868104106, which I'll come back to in a few minutes' time. Just bearing in mind uh, that I do have other calls to get through as well on other topics of conversation. So I might jump in and out. But Ida, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so uh, tell us your story. It's an interesting one. I tell you, I um, have been on for years. Uh, every politician I'd meet, I'd ask them um, about, uh, there's a plaque, you know, the main Douglas Road there. Yeah. And there's a row of houses. And just opposite it on the corner on the cross Douglas Road is that flower shop. Yes. I don't know what the name of it is. And they, years ago, the corporation put up a plaque on safe houses. You know what safe houses are? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where people you know, who are on the run or wanted by the tans or the auxiliaries of the safe, British. Safe yeah. night's sleep. Yeah. There's one up there to turn McSweeney. They put them up all over the city. I don't know where the other ones are. I forget. But I pass this one regularly and it's illegible. You know, it's obviously... Wonder where is it? I, Wonder where is that? You say the cross dog. Is it on the flower shop? No, it's on the house across from it on the other corner. Okay, okay, okay. Never, and it was no wonder I never saw it then. You say it's all... Yeah. For oh, sure, listen to me. Um, politicians come in canvassing here, and when I'd say to them, they didn't know it was there either. But anyway, it's totally illegible. And I, coming up here, you know, to the anniversary of Max Sweeney and that, I was on and on, no matter what politician, oh, it will be done tomorrow, oh, we have a special fund below. Nothing has ever happened. No. I even said to Councillor McCarthy when he came here, you know, he didn't know it was there either, surprising. I said to him, listen, I said, you know McSweeney is world-renowned. And I said, would it not be a nice history tour of Cork? You know, the safe houses of Cork. I have to, Ida, yeah, I didn't even house. know that they put up plaques to all of the different safe houses. So oh, there. they did, yeah. I remember it, but to Max Sweeney, I just happened to be a fanatic on Max Okay, Sweeney so can I ask you, I'm, I'm, I appreciate your contribution, but before I do let you go, and thank you for remind, reminding us that we, uh, that we do have plaques to safe houses, but what do you think of the proposal that was rejected of statues to McSweeney, McCartan and Collins? Well... Instead of Collins, I would prefer to see Tom Barry, who was the, the um, put the flying columns into operation that were so important, you know, in our fight for freedom and for women as well. Okay. Like I had, I, I had, you know, I was delighted to meet Terence McSweeney. You could call her his secretary. Um, she was married Benny Lewisa, married Murray. She lived. Um, up in some days well she I mean there are a lot of women in Cork you know but she for instance like she worked in I think it was a gem factory in uh, the, the Colca there she used to cycle out to Tory and Dovin Bell and Geary with stuff that would come from Dublin she do you know what she did as well now she actually typed Max Sweeney's stuff she typed his principles of freedom she was up in his house night and day when she wasn't working. So it's a reasonable she, argument to be made then that it's the women oh, we should be congratulating. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, in fair, I was down the city hall again when Maureen Quill was there and Maureen, you know, it was very good. And I was on to them to do something for coming them on. And in fairness, I think it was Deirdre Clune got a commemoration thing to come in a man, but just pathetic. Nobody knows where it is either. It's a tiny bit of a walkway up in the Mardike. 
I mean, it's a disgrace. Why did you rule out? Why did you rule out Collins there? Well, I tell you no. I mean, I do appreciate him, but he did take guns, and he actually requested more um, armory from Churchill to fight his own people, and he got guns and ammunition and whatnot to fight in Dublin. He'd never, they'd never have beaten the IRA only for the gun, the British support. Never. So I see then that there is still a certain amount of divisiveness on Lee's side with regards to the treaty and anti-treaty sides. Well, I I do respect him, but what about Tom And what about Murphy and Fitzgerald? Do you know... And all the other... No, there's so many, you know, we could be putting up statues all over the place. But, I mean, something something has to be done. And do you know up in the mall there, a man, McCorrig, he put up a little mall called Liliuk. Uh, Liliuk, like, lily-like, do you know? Mm-hmm. I think it would be commemorating the, the, the lily... The Easter Lily, do you know? It is up, are you uh, saying? It's up. Lily, yeah, it's up. It's a beautiful moment. And he put that up to uh, one of the brigades in Cork. I thought it was lovely, do you know? Okay, it's not a great phone line. I'll leave it there either, but thank you all of the same. Jimmy, good morning. Morning, Neil. We don't need him, you're saying, is it? No, I don't think we do need because we have enough commemorations of them. You know, you have the Collins Daleks in Dublin, Collins in Cork. You have streets, you have bridges named after the people. But a lot of your previous callers were after, is after saying what I wanted to say. The only one I would like to see up there is Tom Barry. I think he was uh, one of the most active men ever in the, in the Civil War. Yeah, but where do you draw a line, you see? That's the thing. Um, Before you know it, you have well, a shopping see, list. Tom Barry lived at the corner in Don Square. And it, w- it would be a nice tribute there to have some commemoration of him. Um, now, have you read the book? You probably read it. Yeah, and I've actually I did read it, and I've I've been in I've been in his old apartment above in Don Square over over what's McDonald's now. It's a big spiral yeah, staircase yeah. right up to the top of it, panoramic view. But there's from no his commemora- commemoration plaque or anything there, as far as I know. But it would be nice to commemorate him because, as you know, now by reading the book. What he did and his men did and did walk from Cork to McCroom through fields, look for safe houses, fight the black and tans and the British and have to walk back. They couldn't by, go by road mm. with the soldiers. Mm. And now, another another point I said about the women. There were some fantastic women in coming the bond. And there are a lot of other men and women, ordinary Joe Soaps, that did fantastic things. And if you had a, a day, I say, you get enough callers in that would say their grandfather did this or their grandmother done that. Their aunts brought messages to the various groups. And what they should do, I, I think they would then, they should put a plaque above and say, in Fitzgerald's Park, commemorating those people. You know? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think this all started with the fact that there was three men and there was no female that's representation. That's what the first, uh, there were women, but you see, if you go to any country, you'll find that most of the statues are all men. There's very few women 
up there. Well, I can tell you one thing. The ones that they're taking down anyway um, are all men, to the best of my knowledge. So it goes to show the role that men had in society over the hundreds of years gone by. All right, right. okay. So for you, General Tom Barry, appreciate that. Text 08681. Before you go up, um, could I just say happy 40th birthday to my daughter, Lindy McGillicuddy. She's a regular um, <laughs> correspondent to your show as well. Happy birthday, she's Linda. Over. I hope you have a great she's day. She's over in uh, Saskatchewan in Canada. All right. Well, good morning to her. Remember that. Okay. Thanks, Dean. Cheers. Appreciate it. Happy birthday Bye. to her. Uh, morning. As far as I know, the statue, there is a statue of Sonia O'Sullivan in Cove. Yep, she's a woman. There's also Annie Moore, who is a statue in Cove as well. Yes, a woman. Incidentally, the Annie Moore statue costs 30000 Maybe Cork City Council should be doing a little bit more shopping around. If there was a statue tour guide, then we could bring tours around the city and explain who these people were. What tourist comes to Cork to go around bookshops, for God's sake? These clowns make these decisions and make the wrong ones yet again. Did Terry just say they spend commemoration money on books that you could walk into any bookshop and buy? Surely, if they spent that money, the books should be free. Then there's other texts coming in comparing Cork with Dublin with regards to the amount of statues that they have there. So we'll pick up on that and lots more besides and mix it up after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. Uh, you know, 104 to 106 Red FM. Massey Phelan talked there earlier on about reaching out to people, you know, a neighbour or check in with them, certainly in rural areas maybe where they need an extra bit of uh, uh, minding and looking after because they're more isolated. It's a very interesting point he made and I saw there yesterday that UCC Rugby Club are also starting a campaign, uh, UCC RFC, encouraging people to use rugby as a reason for people to stay connected during the current lockdown. They've launched a thing called the Call a Mate campaign uh, and they're encouraging people, say this Friday, uh, to pick up the phone this Friday to call someone they know and check in on how they're doing. Um, and, you know, you could be about anything. It could be about rugby. UCC Rugby said, in times like this, watching a game or just being by yourself can be lonely uh, and even 10 minutes might uh, might change someone's day. So don't be tweeting about the match or matches. Don't be hashtagging after it. Pick up the phone at half time, call someone and ask them how they are. You might save a life. That's the general gist of it. And I think it's a superb idea. And well done to all involved in UCC Rugby Football Club for thinking outside the box. I saw something yesterday somewhere where I think it was an ad somewhere saying, don't think outside the box. Think as if there's no box. I liked that. I liked that. Anyway, text 0868104106. We will be coming back to some other stories from yesterday's program and new stories as well. Amongst them, people who save lives. I don't have an update at this time with regards to Mark and his son, Jason. Suffice to say that when we were going off air yesterday at midday, Jason had got in touch with his dad. And it was a great way to end the program with such terrific, uplifting, positive and good news. So if I have more updates on that between now and midday, um, I will come back to it, I promise you. Uh, as far as I know, uh, okay, those texts are read. So if we can clear the ones that are read, because I know there's a huge amount of them, uh, and I want to get as many texts on the air as I can. So while I'm talking to uh, to Barry and Jim, maybe we get some more texts on the air. Barry, good morning. Barry, can you hear me all right? Okay, well, there's something going on here in the last five minutes, guys, and I don't know what it is, so I'll just keep plowing on here. Jim? How are you, boy? Oh, thanks be to God you're there. Okay, what is this story about this British soldier? Oh, no, well, I was just saying that, like, time and time again there, the, you know, we listen to you rehashing all this British war, World War One, World War Two. The, the well, I'm not sure that rehashing is a fair word to use, but maybe commemorate, okay, you okay. know. Not right. commemorate, right. But we always see a one side of the story, and we kind of forget about the British boy that was over here 
from England who left his mother who was 19. We always see the black and tan, the worst soldier that was here. And you know, well, they weren't all that bad. There were soldiers here that were the only boys that didn't want to be here. And we don't balance the story. We don't, we, like, there's no one commemoration for the fallen British soldier in Ireland. And there should be. It's a long forgotten war that should never have happened. It was filthy dirty. But we still have people in this country who, who in my view, suffer from small brain syndrome. Interesting. You know, anti-British. That's anti-British very interesting. Time, they're born, you know. It's ridiculous. It needs to stop. And certainly put up all the statues of war. But balance the bloody thing. And, you know, it'd be good for British people coming over here if they saw a statue up for the fall of British soldiers. No, they weren't all bad. You know, and say, we understand, we understand what war is about. Because the way we carry on, we don't. We only see one side. You'll always have someone coming on going, Michael Collins is great, this fellow is great, anti-British. What small brain syndrome it is. Absolutely disgusting. And it goes on week after week, and people just can't get over it. We should be ashamed of our lives, the virus, that we can't get over that rubbish. Rubbish? No, there's nothing, no, there's nothing to be ashamed about, and it's not rubbish. Yeah, well, if it, it is rubbish the way we're doing it. It's all one-sided. But you wouldn't say that the fight for freedom or domination of another country on us was rubbish? I wouldn't know. No, that's all, I'm not saying that that's rubbish. I'm saying the way we carry on is rubbish. As people, the way we treat it. And we, listen, any man that goes to war and gives up his life is a hero. That's the ultimate cost. And that's from both sides. Not just the Irish side. And we always focus on the black and white. And that was horrendous. And I, I grew up and I've heard stories about they done as well, you know. Horrendous, but not. They couldn't all have been like that. There had to be young British boys who were seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. The same as the Irish guys joined the, the British Army. My grandfather joined it. I'm sure those other people's grandfather were there. You know, they weren't bad. People well, I mean, there were three there. sections. You had British Army trained. You had auxiliaries, by and large, untrained, and you had black and tans who were the lowest of the low. You're, you're not. Yeah. You're not talking about commemorating or putting up any recognition to the tans, but maybe. But if black and tans, I don't think we'd ever get that fair. But you're saying to the actual uh, British soldiers who were stationed and, 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 and yeah. placed here. Yeah, they were here, and, and and I presume a lot of them done good. And if you go through, there must be people out there who would have great stories of British soldiers. There. And we we just keep seeing seeing that it was all bad, all bad. It couldn't have been that bad. It only got bad when the when the black and tans came in. No, the tans were directed by British generals, British army generals. I mean, the guys who went into, say, for instance, McCartan's house up the stairs and yeah. shot him in his bed yeah. would have done so under yeah. the ar- orders of the British army stationed in Collins Barracks, Victoria Barracks at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm aware of all that, but yeah. I'm just saying that just definitely, just, there were definitely boys left England, young men, 16, 17, 18 years of age, that didn't want to be here and die there. Look, we were down in Sing Sing Jail in Glamoyer there. How many British troops did we kill there? And there were young oh, men. No, it's, it's a fantastic point you make, actually, with regards to balance. No, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm not. I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, you make the point 100 years on, we're still picking sides ourselves. Yeah, and look, it's only in the last 10 years that Cork has been beginning to get developed. It's only now. We see skyscrapers and stuff coming up in the city. Up until this point, it was all in Dublin. And that was, that was them putting their foot in Cork for 100 years. And nobody moans about that. We were forgotten about down in the south for 100 years because of this war, because of the Dublin Jackie and above. Nobody moans about that. And don't be, don't, I mean, don't kid yourself. Don't think that any of the development here on Leaside is happening at the behest of the government. This is private enterprise that's doing most of this. 
It is. It is. It is. Yeah. No, they may. We, we, we may as a country be. We may as a country be setting the seeds in the climate to allow them to invest with low corporation tax and things like that. So I guess that helps. But you know, if you look at Dublin above, the, none of these are charitable. The trams, the tunnels. Every you look at Dublin, it is washed with, with investment. Trams, tunnels underground. It's a wonder they haven't got a bloody monorail. The way they go up there, they'll spread it to no other county. There's counties around Dublin have nothing because of us. Okay. Oh, no. Fantastic points. Well, I love calls like yours. Hang on a second. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. No, I mean, the British, in fairness to them, they're always commemorating their own heroes in Britain. Now, their statues, I've been in London a number of times, and they're between Nelson Teller and what have you. Now, the Irish, there's no need for the Irish to be commemorating the British in Ireland. It would be a bit like the Jews commemorating the Gestapo or the SS in Israel. I mean, they were the people we were fighting for our freedom, and they did. And, and when you when you look back on the British history in Ireland, it's not a glorious one. You know, you look at the famine, the penal laws, the famine, the black and tans, the auxiliaries. Uh, I mean, they committed terrible atrocities. Yes, but the, the poor, Irish. but the, he, Jim says the poor British soldier, for instance, who came here because he was in the British Army. Uh, I suppose that's what you kind of sign up for. I suppose he says he didn't yeah. want to be here. Um, and lost his life and died here. Should we not be he commemorating? Could, he could have left. He could have left. He needn't be uh, in the British. Ah, you can't. Sure. You should like, be. She would have been shot yeah, as, a, as a deserter if no, you tried. Well, you could. It's a bit like there was a lot of innocent German soldiers are, are, are in France as well, but they're not going to be commemorated in France because they were the enemy at the time. Well, there's no, that's not, no, actually, I'm not going to get into that history lesson, but that's not true. There are many, many fallen soldiers who are died and are buried in what would have been enemy territory at the time. That is now, no, that is now sacred ground, but I'm not, that's for another day. But they wouldn't have statues, they wouldn't have statues to to the German leaders in France. Well, you wouldn't have Hitler. Or they wouldn't have statues to the German leaders in Poland either. Okay. Okay. No, they didn't, but they did. So we're, not, we're, not asking, we're not asking to put up statues of leaders at all. They could do something for the soldier. We had a British grave up on top of Assumption Hill there for years. As if I, I think they'd moved all the graves. They were all the British graves. They were all shown. Oh, leave graves alone. We built on their graves. Terrible load of us. We're a disgrace. And that's, and right. yeah, that's bad to build on their graves. But I mean, we don't have a lot of respect for the British, which is understandable. But it sh- that we shouldn't have been done. That shouldn't have been done. We did everything right. We blame him for the. Well, no, hang on. Yeah, oh, let, let Jim respond. No, I'm interested in what he's about to say. We blame the British for everything. What? Right. We 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 blame him for the famine, which is the big. You know, that's the big gohuna when we talk about it. We had another famine here in 1924 caused by the Irish government, and there was as many nearly died here in the famine. That was the that was the Irish government that done that to the. What famine in 1924? Read your history. What famine? Read your history. What great famine? There was a European flu here in 1919. There was a famine. There was a famine in Ireland. All right, let him let him tell us about the famine, will you? Come on, tell him. Famine in Ireland caused by the British by the Irish government. How? It's in the history books here. And I'll send it to you. Text the text on this. I wouldn't exactly it's no. All right. Well, listen, I can come back and revisit that then when you send it to me. All right. Yeah, and okay. the government done that. Okay. All right. And thank we don't you. ever visit that one. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Jim. Uh, thank you, uh, Barry. Jerry, I'll get you when I can find your phone line. Let me see if I can. Uh, no, I'll come back after the break, see if we can sort it out there. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Okay, by text to 0868104106. I think we should honor all sides from the war of independence, men and women. We don't, though. I think we should show some pride in those who forged our country together. We don't, specifically. I think sticking a publication and a library together dust is inappropriate and disrespectful 
What child or curious onlooker wouldn't ask a question or two about a statue? What do people think happened in the Civil War? Do they think that uh, the sides sit around all day drinking their skinny lattes? They're idiots, says Steve. It's Civil War. How about an area in Cork where a little green plaza with a few seats and a plaque honouring all our heroes, male and female? List them all. Call them all patriots. Call it Patriots Plaza. A little brief history on the plaque would give tourists and locals an insight into what happened and what they achieved. There are plenty new developments going up and plenty of space. People need more green areas and it would be better than a statue or statues that would need to be cleaned regularly. A plaza would be an area where we could all sit and relax and reflect. A plaza erected for all our patriots, says Trevor at work. That's quite interesting, actually. Um, if they sold that printer in the doll that they never used, they could easily afford the statues. Thanks for that. There's a huge disconnect in the council, Neil. No department runs smoothly in there. We have empty houses left months and not leased out. Plaques are forgotten about and there's a huge overhaul required. Thank you for that, Andrea. It's interesting because much of the problem with rats, actually, um, say, for instance, up in Glenamoy in, in Mayfield, notwithstanding that some of the residents there are doing the dumping, no disrespect to those that aren't, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that houses are left um, unoccupied for months, years in some cases. Shouldn't the 400 grand go to the living and not the dead. Excellent point. Another one. Shouldn't the 400 grand go to people that are alive now and really in need of it rather than the dead who don't? It's a disgrace that we have no statues of our heroes on the main street. I love books. Don't get me wrong, but very few people are even aware of them and they cost money. Statues are for everyone, all Cork people to observe every day for a long, long time to come. If the government said the money that was provided was not to be used for statues, then that should be the end of it, says Kieran. Yeah, but who are they to tell us uh, whether or not we should uh, put up... I mean, you know, uh, uh, I go off on one now as regards to history or the importance of Cork during the War of Independence or the Civil War. Uh, the most important place with regards to all of the fighting uh, was here in Cork, I believe. Uh, I think we should do something like uh, Mount Rushmore on a smaller scale, all our Cork men and women together. That's an interesting one. We need to find a quarry for that, wouldn't we? What a clown. If the British had killed my grandfather when he, when he was in the IRA fighting during the War of Independence, I wouldn't be around. Um, and this is more to do with we should not be commemorating uh, fallen British soldiers. So the British, um, so should the British have commemoration statues to the Germans? Get him off the air wanting to commemorate British soldiers. Give us a break. He should be ashamed of himself calling himself Irish. Another one here. They burned our city to the ground. Um, they were given free reign, the black and tans, upon that day. And they were all pretty drunk and got drunker as they looted the city. But they were allowed. It was a retaliation for a shooting in Dillon's Cross. And they were given and other retaliations for other shootings as well, but primarily Dillon's Cross. And they were given uh, free reign to leave the barracks and go downtown and do wreck. Um, anyway, my apologies. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Oh, sorry, I thought I lost you again. Anyway, strange times. No, 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 it's actually Anthony. Oh, sorry, Barry, Anthony. Yeah. My, but that's what the problem. It's not Barry at all. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Just making the point, Neil, listening to your program, I think people are after losing sight of all this talk of statues. They're actually losing sight of what these people died for. Could I just say on that point, for me, it wasn't really about, um, you know... The, the the whole issue of the war and things like that. It was about the city council just couldn't agree to anything, so they decided to do nothing. And the main reason behind it was because there were no women featured in the statues. And I just wondered... 
Could they not have thought it through better and come up with a solution? That's all, you know? Anyway. Well, they could, have, they could have thought it through better, Neil. But my point is, if these people that died for this country were alive today, and they looked around, they saw people homeless, they see people like Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners trying to feed people, would not the money be better spent on looking after the Irish people? This is, they died for the betterment of the Irish people. I'm sure they'd be chuffed with the statue. Katrina, yeah, she was talking last week of people coming into Penny Dinners um, for a pair of shoes. Yeah, that's exactly my point, Neil. Don't spend money on statues. We have statues around the city. We have bridges called after people. We have streets named after people. I'm sure if there was people who were alive, they'd be chuffed at that. But on the other hand, they'd be disgusted seeing the way the Irish people are not being treated. Yes, yes, yes. By their yes. own government. Yes. People homeless, people starving, spend the money on those gets society back on track again. That's what they would tell us if they could speak if, from the grave. If they could speak from the grave. And Neil, some of them must be turning in their graves. Why? That's the fact that we're having this conversation about about statues, is it, or what? No, it's not a conversation about statues, but it's about the, all the... I mean, statues cost money. And yet there are people homeless and there are people starving. Would if they were alive and you could ask them today, would you prefer a statue to yourself, or would you like to see people fed and housed? I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. spend yeah. money that way, Super point. Thank you much. Thank you very much, Anthony. Appreciate you taking the no call. Problem. Thank you. Apologies for the confusion. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I promise you one thing. I will come back to more of those texts. Uh, throughout the course of the morning because there's a big, big response to it. Uh, but I want to mix things up if I can. So I'm not leaving the topic. I will return to it. Can I also just remind you, um, if you're doing a, a walk today and you haven't been listening over the past couple of days, we have 100 euro Tesco gift cards to give away every day this week and indeed every day next week. And uh, Tesco at Douglas Village Shopping Centre opened this morning. Tesco opened at 8 a.m. and a lot of the other shops are open already and more will open across the day. All those that can open under current guidelines. So we got a thousand euro worth of gift cards anyway. It's to encourage people to walk your way out of lockdown with Tesco. So if you do have a regular walk and a jaunt out every day and you've got a mobile phone with you or a Fitbit or whatever, you surely are tracking your walk and your steps. And if you are, I want you to send me a screen grab of your walk. Um, whether it's for the walk or at the end of the day when you're totaled up even more, but primarily for your walk, because it's lovely to hear the stories behind the walks and where people are walking as well. So take a photograph of your uh, screenshot of your walk with your steps on it and all that kind of jazz and WhatsApp it to me. WhatsApp the photograph to 0868104106. And I have a huge big pile again this morning, which I'll read out in the next hour and we'll pick another winner for the 100 euro Tesco gift card. And that'll run until uh, Friday week. So that's fun. So WhatsApp the photograph to 0868104106. Now, uh, to other business. And yesterday we spoke with so many people who intervened when someone was in trouble and saved their lives. Not unconnected to that, actually. This is a, you know, it's not that type of a story, but still in all, it's somebody who is looking uh, to right or wrong, I suppose, if you like. Um, how many people have found themselves in this situation, I wonder? Shane, good morning. Morning, Abe. Uh, you're, you're, you're confessing to something, I believe, yeah? <laughs> I am, I am, I am. Uh, what you do? Yeah. So yesterday lunchtime, um, I was coming up 
I think it's up for Jan Street, you know, just by the mall, the mall and yeah, standing, yeah. Um, just past the bus stop there. I kind of felt the bump, I don't know, was it the shore or was it the, a pothole? But just the car in my eye, I seen a big splash and it was just, when I looked over, there was just a woman there and like she literally got soaked head to toe. Oh, God. So, like I slowed down anyway and I could down the window and I asked her was she alright but uh, like I won't even tell you now the look I got but uh, Did she say anything? She just I, I, to be honest I was a bit shell shocked myself and I was like uh, the first thing I kind of spoke over I said oh are you okay? And um, she said there was, I don't know she said there was no need for that or something like that like but she just said that she was ne- you're lucky I'm nearly home and uh, she just walked off You know, Was but, she um, soaked from head to toe? I'd say so, yeah. Like, again, I only kind of saw it over the corner of my eye because, like, obviously I was concentrating on the road. But, um, you know, when you just see something in the corner area and I knew then and I looked and she stopped. So I knew then I was after splashing her, like, but um, she was walking with a bag of messages as well, like, so. Oh, and I just God. lashed at that stage as well anyway. But um, I understand how she feels because it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? Not head to toe, but you always, you always associate it with a rude, obnoxious ignorant driver but in this case yeah. you're, you're you're not one of them like you were clearly upset no, no I've been on the receiving end of it myself anyway so I know how it is <laughs> so you couldn't even offer her a lift or anything anyway she was she no, was pretty yeah yeah, yeah. No, and even at that like it was even me wearing with Covid and stuff like that like even offering people to come into the car and stuff like that like, so you, you know, just said sorry there sorry there and you drove off well, she walked away. Oh, so she walked off first in disgust. She walked off first, so I didn't want to pray too much then, in case, you know. So you're looking for her? Yeah, just, like, even, like, if it's something like a voucher for Drake cleaning or if she wants to do her own marching, they extend her a bunch of flowers and a box of chocolates or something, just an apology, you know. Okay, she probably knows who she is if she's listening, but what time was it at? Not that you, uh, not that you soaked more than half, one person. Well, twi- twi- half, twi- one o'clock, because it was that lunch thing. Okay, lunchtime yesterday, the Maldrum by the yeah. Shandon, a woman got soaked with her messages. She was nearly home, and you want to reach out, wonder if she wants the dry cleaning done, or maybe to send her a bouquet of flowers and a box of chocolatey. Yeah, just as an apology, because, um, like I said, she was cursing me for that, because I know something like that would, would bother you for an evening. It's so. clearly bothered you since yesterday. It hasn't gone out of your head. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. Um, like again, because like even my own mother, I know she she'd walk around a bit for work as well. Like so, I know you know from even speaking to her, like you know people when they're even walking, even getting messages and getting caught in that rain. I got oh, caught in that rain I myself know. about half an hour previous. So. I was even so often care myself, like, so I can just imagine how she was. All right, listen, I would love if we could find her. Maybe she's listening, maybe she's told a friend about it, and the friend will tell her that we're talking about her. We want to find out who she is. There's an, oh, I'm yeah, sure she's yeah. probably told people about me, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> but we can right the wrong, all right? Okay, so if she's listening, get in touch. one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868-104-106, and we'll see... Um, if we can right the wrong, or at least you can. All right, let's see what happens. I'd yeah. love if she calls, okay? Great stuff, Neil. Thanks very much. Cheers, Shane. Take care of yourself. Technically, it's not your fault. If it's a pothole, we can blame Cork City Council for that, right? Cork City, anyway. I think it was a pothole, anyway. Some, some woman's been on here saying, um, is Shane single? 
Um, she's falling no. in love with you, she says. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sarah, he's not. Okay. Nice one, Shane. Cheers. Over 60 years ago, when I was about three or four years of age, my dad, RIP, used to walk with me and my brother from Turners Cross to the city on Sunday mornings. My dad only told me before he died that on one of our trips when I was very, very small in town, he heard two boys screaming from the river near Horgan's Quay. He put myself and my brother into a crane bucket on the quay and went down a ladder to find two boys in the water. He pulled one out and then stood on the timber structure and held the other boy. Uh, At the same time, downriver, two men were painting the side of a ship. My father called them and they helped him to save the second young boy. My dad climbed up the ladder. A crowd had gathered, but he walked through with no talk, picked us up out of the bucket and we walked home. I often wonder who those lads are or were. I guess they'd be about 68 to 70 years of age now, says Declan. To some extent, that's a beautiful story and well done to your dad. Quiet, cool, clean hero. But in some, in one, in one regard, it's almost like a call out to see if we can find who those young boys were. Um, I don't know how old they were apart from two boys in the river, two young boys in the river, but it wouldn't be a wonderful thing if one or both of them was still alive and remembers it and gives me a call. So thank you, Declan. That may well happen. Um, if it is you or you're one of those two boys, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. text 0868104106. I thought this would give you a laugh. When I was about 10 years old, in 1941, my father sent me to get a packet of Lipton's tea from Bevan's shop overlooking Sullivan's Quay. Uh, once I got, what, what was the story with the Lipton's tea? Was it not Barry's tea back then in the 40s? Anyway, never mind that. Once I got the tea and when I came out of the shop, I saw a gathering overlooking the water. I went to have a look and there in the water was a little boy bobbing about and no one was doing anything. So I went down the steps, fell on my arse and ended up on the bottom step. This is a 10-year-old lad now. I got the shock of my life, lost the tea, but reached out, grabbed his coat and hauled him in. Someone came down the steps and took him up to the footpath. I watched as water came pouring out of him. I said to the man, uh, he went for a drink. Uh, Jesus, he said, you're one brave girl. Uh, there was, there I was, soaking wet, covered in green moss, and what a mess. An ambulance arrived, and off the boy went. All the time, I can never remember seeing his mother. A guard asked me my name and where I lived. I gave it to him, thinking, oh my God, my dad's going to kill me. My clothes are destroyed. I've lost the tea. I'm in trouble with the guards. <laughs> I never prayed so much as I did going up uh, Nicholas Hill. Needless to say, no one believed me until the guard called to my home to tell Dad that the little boy lived and he was only two years old. The guard wanted to thank me and gave me a present, a tin of Gibbs toothpaste, a toothbrush and half a crown. My father grabbed the half crown and said, that pays for the tea she lost. The guard said, uh, maybe give her sixpence, which he did on Saturday, when I usually got sixpence anyway for polishing the shoes for Sunday Mass. Clever, my dad, wasn't he? They often had a good laugh at my expense, doing swimming, fish, or pretending to drown when having a bath in our tin bath in the front room. To this day, I can't swim, but I love the sea. Great program, says Kay. Never mind a great program. That is a fantastic story. I'm so sorry that you got diddled out of the half a crown, 
Something in me tells me you never got over that, but a great story. Well done to the guard. It also goes to show back in the day the way kids thought differently. Oh my God, my dad's going to kill me. The clothes are destroyed. No tea. And I'm in trouble with the guardie. Uh, there were different times, weren't they? Um, anyway, back after the break, one 850 Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. I really love listening to your show over the last few days, and particularly hearing all of the hero stories and also the not-so-fortunate ones. I can't come on air as I find my story upsetting to speak out loud about, hence the email. My dad, in the year of 1991, saved a family and their children from their burning house down in Mahan. In 1991, he climbed the drain pipe of the house and with the assistance of another man, managed to save the family through a window. My dad had a troubled upbringing, I can tell you. He attended Christian's Brothers School and was then sent away up the country to juvenile prison. He attempted on many occasions to take his own life, some I grew aware of. I only found out about this in recent times. He eventually succeeded in taking his own life 20 years ago this December. I wish I was older when he died. I was 15 at the time. Maybe I could have saved him if I had been a little bit older. Times were so different then. Children had no idea what was going on with their parents' troubles. Not like now, whereas everything is more open when spoken about. My dad could not escape the demons in his head. So I hope and pray often now that where he is, he's at peace and that he continues to look after us. I hope that lady on your show gets the help she needs. Uh, thanks, Neil, says Kimberly. And that's a reference to Lorraine, who was very brave to come on air with us on Monday morning and tell us about her own experience where she threw herself into the river on Friday night and was saved and was saved. I'm so sorry to hear about your dad, um, but uh, it's important also to mark that he also, uh, although he couldn't manage to um, live with his own demons, as you say, he did manage to give a family of uh, husband and wife and perhaps don't know how many children, an opportunity to live out their life when he saved them from burning house down in Mahan. And well done to him for that. Text 0868104, lads. We've got more of those kind of uh, emails as well. You can also email your story. If you don't wish to come on air, that's fine by me. Email neil at redfm.ie. Emro Award winning music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Uh, one night my dad was in Larry Tompkins' pub on the quay. He said the bar was jammed. Remember those days? <laughs> the bars were jammed. Remember those days when the bars were open? The bar was jammed with a great atmosphere. But through the crowd, he could see a figure standing uh, on the quay wall. Without making a big scene in Larry Tompkins' pub, he quietly put down his pint and saying nothing to his friends, he just casually went out the door. He made his way over to the wall and the lady was hysterical crying. He emptied out his pockets and took off his shoes. He explained to the woman he had children and that he had buried his wife and the kid's mother at a very young age and that he really didn't want to follow in, follow her into the water. But if he, if she jumped, he would jump in to try and save her. He told her that he wanted to go home to his family that evening and that she should consider the same. Go home yourself. The woman then opened up to him. And after 15 minutes or so, he grabbed her arm and he pulled her down. He stayed with her until the guardie arrived, but back on his shoes, went back in to finish his pint. I was so proud of my dad when he told me that story. That's another incredible story. Somebody thinking on their feet like that. That's not the first time that I've spoken to or read an email or spoken to someone in the air who used that approach, who said, look... Remember the two girls on the quay who wrapped their arms around a, a man who was hysterically crying sitting on the quay wall? They said something similar. They said, look, if you jump in, 
I'm going to have to jump in. I don't want to have to jump in, but that's what I'm going to do. Your dad did the very same type thing and indeed saved a life. So keep those emails coming. Uh, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. I have emailed a few times over the years from sunny Queensland, Australia. Like so many others, we had to cancel our trip back home this year to visit my family. We keep on to the positives that once they're healthy and doing okay, that's what matters right now. My partner is Australian. And when he visited Ireland for the first time in 2010, he was introduced to spiced beef. Being a chef, he fell in love with the spices. We heard last night when listening to a show that Tom Durkin can send the spices and the recipe. We would be absolutely overjoyed if this can come true for us this Christmas. Thank you for thinking of us, thinking of us people overseas always. Also, would it be possible to surprise my beautiful mum and dad with an oak fire pizza? <laughs> Keep up the great work and g'day from Queensland, says Ev and Trav. Well, you can sort the spices out yourself by uh, getting in touch with Tom Durkin's, um, you know, check out their website and they will send the spices and the recipe. And uh, with regards to the Oak Fire Pizza for your mum and dad, do they eat pizza? Do they like pizza? I don't have an address, but if you send me on an address, we'll see what we can do. I can't promise anything because I'm rapidly depleting uh, my... Uh, my stash of pizza vouchers, but we'll see what we can do and uh, we'll pick it up from there. Um, lots of other texts and emails. Here's an interesting one because some, uh, I'll come back to it in a few minutes' time. Hold on. Let me go back to the phone lines. Heather, good morning. Morning, Neil. There seems to have been a lot of people soaked uh, yesterday oh. with the, by motorists. <laughs> you as well. What happened? Oh, I was on the castle road there walking by the, on the way up to Blackrock Castle and there was a huge amount of flooding there. Like, it was really deep and there was a car coming towards us and we were nearly past the puddle and we thought, sure, they'll slow down now, it'll be grand. And they didn't even slow down. They just went straight through and literally the water came up over our heads, like me and my partner and my two dogs. Oh my God. Head to toe? Yeah. Oh, it was not great. <laughs> do you believe? Do you believe in? Do you believe in that case there that that motorist knew what was going to happen? Oh, definitely. Because there was a car we saw before on our way up there, and they slowed down. Because like even for your own car's sake, you're meant to slow down, and they didn't even slow down. Like, and we were the only people there, and it's a tiny road. Like, so oh, <laughs> I know. Good. Were you far from home? Um, well, yeah, I had drove there. I had drove to the castle and we were just starting our walk. So we were soaked and then had to get into the car, saturated as well. And the dogs even were looking at us like, um, this isn't good. <laughs> Trying to take themselves off. They were disgusted more than us. All you know about it is that it was a Toyota Yaris, is it? Yeah, a black Yaris. So if they want to, you know, send me anything like... <laughs> or say so this sorry. is a call out for flowers and chocolates from the Yaris yeah, driver who soaked yeah. the whole lot of you. Yeah. Male, male or female driver, I know I shouldn't I, ask. I, I don't know, I didn't see... Like, I bet, I bet you you do, stuff. I bet you it was a man. I, I don't know. I bet you you do. I didn't see. <laughs> I believe you. Incidentally, thank you so much for the lip balms. I'm using the I'm using the cocoa lip balm. It's the cocoa oh, yeah. one. Did you like it? Yeah. Co- uh, yeah, I I have one. I gave one to Brenda, gave one to my wife, gave one to my daughter, gave one to my son's girlfriend. So they've been well well distributed at this stage. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and Heather's Perfect lip balms are on sale winter. in the English market. All right, mind yourself. Cheers. Thanks very if much. If the Toyota Yaris drivers comes back all all apologetic, I'll get back to you. All right. 
Okay, thanks, you're great. Good luck. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106. Red FM. All right, good luck to everybody at Douglas Village Shopping Centre opening this morning. Steve from Dennehy's Gym got in touch in the Village Shopping Centre. He says, hi, Neil, we're working hard at the moment to get the gym ready and we're confident to be reopening on December 1st. If and when the government restrictions lift, we'd love to have you or one of the team in for a look around when we do reopen, says Steve Barry. Absolutely, come back to me, happy to help you any way we can get your gym back open again let people know about it uh, the balancolic accident involving the student and the motorbike and we had a lot of talk about that because they put in a new kind of uh, swingy bollards to stop cars who are dropping off their as the fellow says little darlings at the school gates stop them from you know double parking in the cycle lane uh, to the lovely lady or gentleman who texted regarding the child knocked down outside Colossus to Column on Tuesday a few facts The school has in excess of 1,200 pupils with no designated parking. Also, yes, they are our little darlings. I weighed my daughter's bag. It weighs 26 pounds. Mother of God. She also had a large folder to carry with her every day. It's not too bad dropping them off at school on a fine day, but on an inclement day, it's not. All people need to be is more tolerant to each other as in drivers, cyclists and pedestrians. A little manners goes a long way and we'll all get along. Talk about, in this modern age, with all of the technology that's available now, what in the name of God is a secondary school student carrying 26 pounds on his or her back? I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. Like, you bring 26 pounds worth of books home with you in the evening and back in again? Like, I mean, they're not studying 26 26 pounds weight worth of books at home every night. Surely, it makes no sense to me. Lots on mass then. Not very religious, but I think the priest saying mass over a uh, over a coffin instead of the altar is actually a beautiful honor. It's a beautiful. Yes, I think it probably is. It's right up close and personal with the person whose life is being celebrated. I think I personally think mass attendance should be allowed, as should a number of supporters in a 40,000-plus stadium. The difference with mass is the congregation won't be jumping around celebrating a victory. Yeah, I know, when you put it like that, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Um, and then uh, other people have been talking about, uh, you know, uh, you know, life-saving intervention with regards to people who are suicidal, and I will come back to, to more of those. But... For the times that we live in, in case I forget, Jerry makes a very valid point because I was telling yesterday that there was a survey out saying that many of the vitamins that you're buying and the supplements are of vital, very little use to you because their strengths are too weak or, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're just not fit for purpose. There was a report that came out on Monday. Jerry says, I've tried many of them over the years myself and I found them no good. However, when my wife got rheumatoid arthritis, I tried every supplement to see would it help the pain. And the one that my wife found most helpful was more EPA fish oils. She's still taking it today after many years. Uh, You have to take them for about three weeks before you get some relief. But he says, I would recommend anybody with joint pain to try them. For myself, though, for general good health, I stick with natural garlic, honey, lemon, onion, ginger and mint. Maybe a few others, but they're the main things. The supplements that you buy are only so-so. So he goes for the old traditional um, methods of natural garlic, honey, lemon, onion, ginger, and mint. And they are all terrific. They're all powerful uh, supplements. Not supplements, but they're all powerful plants and uh, remedies. And um, certainly, if you're buying honey, you need to buy not the cheap stuff, if you can afford to buy the decent stuff. And when I say decent, cork honey. 
you need to buy honey that's as local to you as possible. Right, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. With matters regarding Christmas, you see this morning that they've been talking about the Christmas lights are set to light up Cork, and somebody was asking me by text and, and others over the past few days as well. Is it too soon uh, to be putting up the Christmas tree? Um, texter here says it's never too early for Christmas lights. I have three Christmas trees up already, and it's made my mood happier. Hashtag deck the halls. I have one tree on the stairs, one tree in the kitchen, and a third in the kiddies' room. I painted the first half of the house during lockdown and finished the other half in the second lockdown. I have a daughter, a preschool teacher, and a son in school, so this time around I'm sitting in the house on my own, so I said to hell with it. I'm not sitting here staring at the four walls on my own. So instead, she put up three Christmas trees. So the lights are set to light up Cork City. Council staff have begun working and have been doing it for a few weeks now. There's about seven kilometres of lights will glisten through the city this Christmas. And they'll go on next week. A lot of the county lights are already on. And I've been wondering, you know, what about all of the other traditional things that we look forward to at Christmas time? Like Santa Claus. You know, where the kids can go and visit Santa Claus. I'm not hearing so much of events being organized or commercial activity in that regard. Um, or have I? Then I heard earlier in the week that Leahy's Farm are going all out this year. And I believe, I hope I'm not wrong in saying, that they're booked out already. So you had to put a call in to find out what that's all about. Teresa Leahy joins me by phone. Teresa, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? Good. So I know absolutely nothing of what you have planned. So... Tell us all. <laughs> so we're here in Dungorny, um, outside Middleton, Couch Cork, and uh, we are going to do a Santa event this year. We said we, ha- we have to do it. We, we've, we've been doing Santa in about 25 years or so, um, and this year, more than any other year, it has to go ahead. We just have to do something, you know. Um, so we're doing a socially distanced semi-outdoor type of a, a centre event. Um, I suppose anybody that would have been with us in the past, it was always indoors, it was always in a lovely heated building alongside the cafe, um, you know, play areas and things like that. But this time it has to be different because of where we are. And uh, so it's up in the yard. It's Santa in the barn is what it's called. Um, so we're not doing the guided tour and all of that that we would have had again previously. What would the, the guided past. tour? Would that have been to see all of the animals and the pets and things? Yeah. No, so previously, like our farm is open um, during the Christmas season. So the farm itself, you can spend an hour or two there um, before you go to see Santa. But then the tour, that would have involved, um, say, starting your tour at, say, 11 o'clock in the morning, for example. And you would get your guide, you'd meet the um, pixie, um, he'd be the Santa's, Santa's uh, carpenter's workshop, kind of a little section. Um, so the families would actually help out there, they'd do a little bit of manual handling and a bit of fun and letter would come into them and, you know, they'd have to go and make maybe tractors or something like that. Brilliant. And then the whole group, a group of about 25 would have gone, say, around in different little sections. So they'd move from that section onto Mrs. Claus. They'd do a little bit of baking with her. They'd get a bit of history about Santa and washing his underpants and all this kind of thing. And then very, they'd go on into another sexist. section and the, the, our famous talking tree. Douglas the talking tree, a magical tree that was set in a little forestry in an indoor space, but he just came alive when the kids came in to see him. You know, magic. I love it, and but then, I'm still, I'm still at, stuck yeah. back at washing Santa's underpants. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Yeah. And then they'd move on from there and we had a very a, a very fun kind of a med scientist type teacher 
crazy type character was the last character they'd see then before they'd see Santa and was just trying to help them to you know create the power and the energy to make the elves work faster and we used to bring in kind of dynamos on bicycles and get people to help us to get the dynamo going little, little, well hopefully little, all little, of that will happen know? Christmas 2021 but you oh, thank you for that I understand yeah. how powerful the actual <laughs> production is but so this year it's somewhat different he's sitting on a bale of hay is he he sure is. So your your families are literally going to be walking up the yard into the old cash or not into the old cash into the old yard kind of an area there. Now it will be lovely. Like there'll be lights up. There'll be um you know kind of props and decorations. There'll be Christmas music on. So it'll still be a nice atmosphere. He's probably he's probably on a throne made out of bales of hay. Is he? We're we're in we're not finalised. We have another two weeks to come up with a proper proper finished plan of what we're actually doing. But the, the, the thought is that we'll, he'll have his throne that we would have had last year or do we make up a fine big straw chair and pike in some square bales and, and <laughs> set it up that way, you know? And have a real rustic-y and farmy and all that. So, Neil, how are you, how are you fixed with a two-pound pike? Because it's a few bales to be piked yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, no, I'm sorry. I would need, I need, I would need certification to pick up any any sharp implement. You wouldn't know what I do with it. But what what I do know is that we don't know what level we'll be in. Then I know these pesky levels keep raising. Whether it'll be five or three or two. Yeah, but yeah, this you, yeah, yeah. this would be family bubbles, I assume. Yeah, am I right in that yeah. regard? Yes, yeah. So when we decided, I suppose, when, I suppose because it's been around for a while and we have, we were able to open actually during the summer. Um, so it gave us a good insight as to how we can actually deal with, with people on the farm and how to keep them all safe, you know. Um, so we were booking in people during the summer, um, in small family groups or like, and I suppose that was the problem this year. Like we set our group size for Christmas this year as six people in a group and um, basing it on roughly two adults four kids, you know, but if there was a family with two adults, five kids, of I course, yeah. they'll be their own family, you know. But, I, but then, like, yeah, yeah. But then we're going to have, you know, we're going to have the families that are going to be maybe two adults and two kids and they wanted to bring granny and granddad. So we were saying, absolutely, we can do that, but it's a case of, you know, if you're in your family bubble already, we're happy to take them. That's but if right. they're not, That's we'd right. prefer that they didn't. You know, That's right. anyway, well, They'll, they'll work that out with a bit of common sense. But what I do yeah. know is that you're booked out. Booked solid. Oh, we're blown away, Neil. Um, we we always put up our Christmas tickets in September for for the month of December, and they trickle along. You know, to be a couple of handfuls of bookings every day until tip along. This year, oh my God! Like, and we're not we're not a high tech business. You know what I mean? We're a firm, and we do our best. You know, I'm I'm not highly technical, so we have a guy that does the website for us, and he does the, the bookings and and, and that. And uh, it's a, it's a basic system, so we set up the bookings. I suppose we we put them up early on the Friday so that. Um, we could we could allow our members to, to book a spot to give them a chance to come before the general public. And um, we have quite a few members and we wanted to look after them as well first. Um, so once we once we decided then to open up on the Saturday, it was a Saturday around 11 o'clock, I think, um, we opened it up and we put a post up on Facebook. Bookings are open. Um, within, I think, about a half an hour, the system went, it started crashing. Um, and so it, it was having issues all day long. And from on, on Sunday then afternoon, probably around 12 o'clock, everything was booked solid. We couldn't believe it. I believe you have a cancellation list with a 450 names on it. Yeah, and growing and growing. It's it's very it's very hard. So is there um, any way around that opening earlier, opening longer? We can, yeah, well I suppose we have to consider um you know staff as well, you know, and I suppose we've always 
try to open as many days as we can over December. But like we're a small staff group and we need our day off also. You somebody know? needs so to come. Somebody. I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. I understand. I'm, I know. But I'm, I'm saying to the gang at home, like, I mean, we're, we're at the moment we're working Wednesday to Sunday. That's our Santa times. So we're looking at opening up a little bit earlier on the Wednesday and running on a little bit later in, the, in the evening. Yeah. Um, and if we do open an extra day, we might do that. But we, we certainly won't be doing the seven days a week. But anyway, we'll make no difference to people unless they're on your cancellation list because they'll get first dibs. And even if we did that, we might not even be able to look after all of those at this stage. Oh, well, I hope that you can help as many as possible. And do you know, I mean, looking at others, like, is there much, is there much Santi activity this year? Do you know? We know of you, but are there others? Like, I know, I don't believe that, I don't believe that Fota are doing anything this year. We're very much tied into them every year. No. Yeah, yeah, no, as far as I know, um, like I think Winterville in, in Waterford was going ahead. We, like we had said all along, like I suppose, and again, I suppose, Neil, like we're, we're setting this up in groups of six, like usually it would have been groups of 25. So we've re- drastically reduced our numbers so that at least we can run something. Um, but we're basing this opening at level three. So if we don't open at level three, we're still quite adamant we are doing something, even if it's a case of families driving up into the car park, having Santa in the car park, waving and moving on. We're, we're definitely, we're doing something. But if you know? you're level three, the kids see Santa, they chat with them from two metres. How do they get their gift? How do they get their Santa present? And uh, no, that's the tricks of the trade. I can't be telling you things like that. Um, <laughs> Santa's going to magically get them to appear inside in his Santa sack that's going to be alongside oh, them. So they, they won't pick actually it out be going the, up They Santa. pick it out of the yeah. magic sack themselves. Yes, yes, of Oh course. my God, I'm all excited <laughs> myself. Happy days. All right, well, I would love to hear from... And did they get a picture then or was there a photograph? Yeah, yeah. So we have Santa's helper in with Santa. So again, like I suppose, like even where, where the section where Santa's going to be, it's probably about eight, nine metres in length. So Santa's going to be at one end of it. The family is going to be kind of halfway up it and then the helper is going to be at the other end of it. So the plan is that, say for the photograph, we're, we're going to have like a, a little line of bales where the kids will kind of stand behind so that they don't go too close to Santa. And for the photograph then, they're going to just turn around and maybe sit on the bale and Santa will be in the backdrop. Yeah, because you know? almost like 3D. Yeah, yeah. yeah the way, yeah, the way yeah. we do these days, yeah. Whether we do yeah. these. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's fantastic. I would love to yeah. hear from others if they're planning any activity with regards yeah. to Santa Claus coming to Cork. Uh, early. It would be great news if others were doing like you. Good luck with it. Fingers crossed for level three. It'll make a huge difference for you, won't it? Yeah, it absolutely will. Yeah, we, like we hopefully be able to open up our cafe and have indoor seating, and because you know you have to have the hot chocolates and, and the marshmallows you've and all got that. Yummy well, you know? ice cream, I believe as well, don't you? Oh, I'm in the middle of doing that today. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on deliveries. I'm here in Middleton at the moment. <laughs> so we were, we started the first lockdown actually was great in one sense for us because we were able to give time to setting up our packaging and and all of that for our homemade ice cream. So we're after getting into a number of super values and local shops and little shops in in Cana and Englishes and down in Yall and Samoy in Middleton so I'm, I'm en route at the moment so delighted to be doing it I'll yeah. let you get on Great. kid I'll let you get on thanks Teresa good luck to you all <laughs> thanks Neil thank Leahy's you. Open Bye Farm Santa Claus is coming to town from Thursday December 3rd but booked out with a 450 cancellation list that's the deal lines open at one 104 106 if you are planning something or you have a business or you're getting involved in putting some things together where the kids can visit Santa Claus with all of the guidelines being adhe- adhered to and respected please get in touch um, ideally don't phone on that if you could text 0868 or bang me off an email to neil at redfm.ie people are already asking to go back to 
uh, the uh, fish oil that I, I'm not I'm not endorsing any of these products. This was Jerry who was saying with regards to different supplements that I was talking about earlier on. Uh, his wife has rheumatoid arthritis and they tried everything. And the most helpful was more EPA fish oils, M-O-R-E-P-A fish oils. It's all about the strength of the capsule. You know, the, the cheaper ones. Um, just don't do the same business. Unfortunately, you got to pay more to get stronger um, um, and more effective, whether it's a fish oil or whether it's a garlic capsule. But anyway, that's what it is. M-O-R-E-P-A. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Yes, indeed. Text 0868-104-106. Um, a lot of texts on different topics, including uh, the Irish accents in that movie. Um, uh, Tom Cruise's Irish accent in Far and Away was one of the worst attempts of an Irish accent ever. I could not watch the movie from start to finish because of it. I, mean, I just, I, I just laughed in disbelief when I watched that film. Ah, come on, people need to lighten up. What about the likes of Colin Farrell in a few of his films doing an absolutely awful American accent? It works both way, ways, you know. And we were talking then yesterday, a very interesting conversation uh, regarding um, uh, somebody whose ex-partner is in Colombia and wants to come home. Uh, to see his children at Christmas time, but can't because of visa issues. We got talking then about arranged marriages where people would come up from, she was saying, uh, South America and marry an American. The going rate now is 50 grand, apparently. And I was very interested in that facet of the conversation. Neil, this is happening here in Ireland too. These financial arrangements are going on tenfold. I know of two Irish girls and one Eastern European girl who have married men from the Middle East and from Africa. As soon as the men have the visas, they do a runner. All they want is the visas to stay in Ireland. One of my friends married a man from the Middle East, uh, has two girls. He took one of the girls back to the Middle East and my friend can't get her daughter back. I can definitely confirm three girls married men here illegally for the visas for the men. Thank you for that. But they weren't financial arrangements, though, were they? In in the in the regard to the American aspect of this, was that it was fifty dollars was paid to the woman, the American woman, or or maybe it could well be to the American man who married a, a South American woman, whatever the case may be. You're describing situations here in Ireland: Eastern European girls, Irish girls, marrying men from the Middle East and from Africa. But was money changing hands um, that's the difference I, I don't believe there was money changing hands in that regard okay uh, I, I don't have any further details following yesterday's very emotive conversation with uh, Jason's dad Mark Jason had left a, a text message with a friend who contacted Jason's dad Mark to say that um, Jason said he couldn't take it anymore and he was going to end it and uh, Mark was on the air with me then pleading uh, with his son to come home I I I believe that I'm told, and I don't have 100% evidence to say that what I'm going to say is 100% accurate, but I'm told that Jason was in a friend's house yesterday morning and the radio was on, I believe. Uh, and um, it may not be a wild stretch of the imagination to say that following my conversation with Mark on the air, Jason heard it and called his dad, but he certainly did contact his dad. Um, and that's a, a happy, happy result, thank God, and that Jason will recover. He, he's broken heart. Maybe he just does not wish to discuss it anymore. And I, I respect that as well. Um, you know, breakups can be an awful thing, you know, particularly to a young person, particularly such a beautiful, well-reared lad like, uh, like Jason. And we've all had our hearts broken when we were young. And you think at the time you're never going to get over it. It's awful, awful tough. Because you don't have the life skills, I suppose, to deal with it. Or do you ever have the life skills to deal with breakups? But I suppose the point I'm making that this was 
a, a happy end in the sense that a life was not lost. Uh, and it reminds me of one of the more difficult conversations that I've had on air in recent years. And that conversation was with Amanda, Amanda Cambridge, the mum of a beautiful little lad by the name of uh, Avery James Green, who drowned at the age of three uh, overseas on holidays. And that was a very you know, tough conversation for me and even more tough for his mam. He drowned in the Costa Blanca. His mam was there. They were down uh, you know, at the apartment complex and he got out and walked down and he drowned in the swimming pool. And I got, um, I got a text this morning from Amanda regarding people who uh, attempt to take their own lives. It's more to do with drowning, I suppose, than anything else. And she joins me by phone. Amanda, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your text. Is, is it a difficult thing for you as a man, um, you know, having lost your beautiful son, to hear stories like yesterday? Um, it would. It would be. It would be because I suppose, Jesus, it it would bring you right back to that day or that week or, you know. So it is hard to hear stories, but at the end of the day, it does happen. You know, it, it'll happen tomorrow, it'll happen the day after. So you kind of just prepare yourself for it and um, you I do know. reflect. I know. And then you just learn to kind of move on and um, put it in your little box and put it away for the next time. So yeah, it, 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 is, it is hard. I suppose I'm wondering as well, when you hear of people's lives being saved, you know, and we've heard of them, you know, for the past couple of days and again this morning, who people helped people who were in water and, and things like that. Um, do you feel that it's unfair in the sense that, you know, why not me? Why not us? Um, I, 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 I did used to think that. I used to think, why me? Why my family? Jesus, why my baby? You know, why Avery? But then I think, why not me? You know, and if I suppose if I had a choice, if God said, right, we take your family or we take another family, I wouldn't want another family to go through what we went through. I would want another mother to go through what what I go through every day. You know, so, yeah, I, w- I, am, I, d- I used to think, but not anymore. Not you know, not. it is what it is. Um, it did happen, you know. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I, I suppose I don't, not anymore. There was intervention or people did try and save him, didn't they? They did, they yeah. did. And that's, that's kind of why I text in yes, because, yes. Um, you know, their lives are changed forever. It's now become part of their life. It's now become part of their reality. Um, they become part of your story. You know, uh, the cultures in the UK they were just neighbours to us in Spain, whereas now we're always kind of texting to see how they are. And uh, tell us about know, the cultures. Why Why do you mention those? They, Mark, the father, and Charlie, the son, they were just out for minding their own business, going for a walk, and they found Avery in the pool. And they they lifted him out. You know, that's how that's how quick... And they so have they to deal, out. and what you're saying is that they will always have to deal with that. Yeah. Oh, de- definitely. I, I don't think a human person could do something like that and then not um, feel it or not remember right. or not yeah. live it. Or, um, so, yeah, you know, as I said, they were just neighbours who were on a holiday and now, you know, um, 
they're all they're part of our family. You know, uh, we remember them on his anniversary. We remember them on his birthday. You know, they sent us pictures that they had lit candle for Avery and had a little balloon with A on it. And um, they 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 remember him. They I I'm sure they remember that day just as clear as we do. Um, are Christmases difficult? Is this time of the year and, and the coming weeks difficult for you? It is. It is. It's his birthday now on the 4th of December. He'll be, he would have been five. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we are preparing for that. You know, you think we will, will we have a cake? Will we go out? You know, what will we do? But, you know, it's, he's not here to do any of that. So I suppose it's just kind of a remembrance really that, you know, it would have been his birthday and it is his birthday, but he's just not here to, to celebrate it with us. So we'll do something, we'll try and do something nice for that. I know, I know. His fifth birthday, first week in December. Do you, I remember my yeah. conversation with you some time back when you kindly came out here with Niamh, you recall that? Emer. Emer, yeah. my apologies, Emer. Okay. Um, you you told me that you blame yourself for what happened. Do you remember that? I couldn't get over. I couldn't oh, get I over. do. Yeah, yeah. This was a I this do. was a tragic accident that could <clears throat> happen to anybody. Um. Yeah. It, it 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 was an accident. It wasn't intentional. But there, I suppose, just there's so many things that I could have done that that wouldn't have happened. You know, the door was closed, but it wasn't locked. And also, he 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 opened the door and went out. Um, he was left unattended while I was in the bathroom. You know, if I had stayed in the kitchen or if I had come in and locked the door, um, well, then yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't have gone out. So there is a sense. I do blame I do blame myself for I suppose the circumstances. You know, we can all kind of say, well, if I did this and if I did that, you know, the outcome may have been different. You know, I'd still have my gorgeous little boy here with me. And does that feeling never leaves you, does it? Never, never. It's always always there. Always there. And I think it it will always be there because it was my watch. You know, he was my baby. He was my child. He was on holidays with me. Um, And yeah, I flew out to Spain with three gorgeous children and... I flew back with two with me and one beneath me. Oh my God. I know, I know. You see, everybody here in Cork was in shock and just felt so awful for you and there was an outpouring of love and grief. But yet I remember you telling me that you felt hurt by people who pointed the finger and almost, it wasn't bad enough you blaming yourself, that others blamed you. That must, that was, if that was true, that's very, very hurtful. Um. It yeah, it it is hurtful, but that's that's I thought that's how they felt. Are you sure you, you know, didn't? You, now forgive me for second guessing it, but are you sure you didn't imagine that? No, 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 okay. not at all. Okay, not okay. at all. It was it, it was people I knew. It was people okay. I held very dear to my heart. Um, and I kind of just decided, you know, I'll take a I'll take a step back, and I just kind of cut all ties I suppose for my own my own health, my own sanity my own grieving process um, And yeah, how I do you manage now 
trying to get on with your life for the rest of your family and to put it all your life back together again. Will you be ever able to do that, or are you on the way to doing that? Um, well, I suppose there's all, like there's always a big part missing. Um, you know, he he was a big part in our in our lives and in our family, and um, you know you. Even I was talking to my friends the other day and the two girls were climbing on me and I kind of said the three of them are always on me. But whereas it's actually only the two of them, but there's always three there. Um, You know, you go into a clothing store and you go over to the boys section and then you realise, oh my God, I... I have two girls, yeah. I have two girls. Uh, You go to McDonald's and you order three Happy Meals instead, you know, and you should really only be doing two. So yeah, he's he's always there. He's always a big part in our family. Um, yeah. Always remembered. So it is hard to, um, it is hard to move on. And I suppose it was so tragic, and it was so uh, fast um, that he was here one day and he was gone the next. You know, it wasn't this long drawn out process where he was sick for weeks, and you know, you had time to know, process it. Yeah, yeah. But no, we're, we're, we're getting there. But you know, I, I won't keep you, believe me. You you said there that you wouldn't, if, if you know, it, it happened to you and, and to your family and it was your beautiful little two-year-old, you wouldn't wish it to, you wouldn't wish it to happen to anybody else, you said. And I think you referenced God there, which clearly means that you're in some way religious, are you? <laughs> some days. But in the sense that do you, do you, are you religious enough to believe that you will be reunited with your son? Definitely. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid to die now because I know who's on the other side. I know he's there. Um, I know my mom is there. So yeah, I, you know, a few days after he died, I had told a friend of mine, I actually said it to Emer that, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to die now because I know he's there. And I know I'll see him. I won't see him soon, but I will see him. Um, but then I, on, on the flip side, you do get very angry. You think, oh, Jesus God, like, why did you, why did you do this? Like, why did you take him? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's it's a coin, you know. Some days it's heads, some days it's not. Um, it's a mixture of emotion, really. And there we had the summer then with all sorts of people drowning in our waters, all sorts of people going on various unsafe inflatables and having to be rescued from the water and things. How did all that make you feel, considering that drowning um, is the second biggest cause of accidental yeah. death in toddlers? Yeah, um, I remember uh, it was um, little Ben up the country. I woke up, I was getting ready for work and um, I heard that a little boy, same age as Avery, um, drowned because, you know, he was out on the water, he was on a flatable, and uh, it just absolutely broke my heart. It broke my heart. And um, I got on to, uh, I just popped on Facebook and just said, like, it is so unfair, so unfair that, you know, things need to change. And we're still ploughing along with our campaign you know, trying to get this preschool safety awareness um, up and running. And obviously mm. with the COVID, um, things are kind of going a bit slower than we expected. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a life skill. You have it for life and you get to pass it on and on. And 
Um, it's just as important as reading and writing. Um, we live on an island. You know, water is everywhere. Learn whether to it's swim. A bat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whether it's a bat, whether it's a pool, a river, a lake. You know, it can happen. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody's daughter, anybody's son. Um, and it only takes thirty seconds. And thirty can, seconds, and your whole life is changed. How are Avery's uh, sisters coping with all of this? They're, if it's not too much to ask, they're good. They're really good. They they're back. They're back to school. They're getting their Santa letters ready. Um, they had a good Halloween, but obviously they they do miss their brother, and you know, um, they do have their sad moments and they have their happy moments. You know, they remember. Um, and, you know, they talk about him, they draw pictures. Uh, but this is obviously something that they're going to grow up with. And, you know, we're going to try and instill um, the whole swimming and how water safety and how important it is. And, you know, hopefully they'll hop on the bandwagon with us when we get the campaign up and running. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of basically what we're focusing on is for the campaign to kick off. And when uh, we come out babies. of when we come out of all of this, don't hesitate to get back in touch and we'll help to drive it on our own way. And uh, Oh that that would be absolutely great because the more people know, the more support we get, um, you know, the bigger it'll become. Um and it is just so important for our children to learn water. Now, in saying that, Avery knew water was um dangerous you know um he he did wear armbands but it's more about what to do if you're getting to the water and you're in difficulty yeah you know that's what we're trying to to get across and that's what we're trying to to teach um and Emer is doing an absolutely amazing job and leanne is doing an absolutely amazing job behind the scenes um well we'll so talk yeah, on so we'll, we'll talk on that in, in the new year um but uh, for now um you will mark Avery's fifth birthday in early December um, and um, that'll be nice in one way but of course poignant memories in another and then Christmas. So uh, I wish you well yeah. and uh, really and truly thank you so much for texting and coming on air. No problem. Thanks very much for having Cheers. Take care of yourself. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, the Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. People walking the way out of lockdown with Tesco for 100 euro gift cards. Eileen Ahern and Cove. My first walk was in the morning with the dog. The second walk and the lashing rain without the dog. 18,000. Well done to you down in Cove. Fair play to you, Eileen. I won't get to give everybody a shout out, but I'll do my best. 70 years old, 70 years young. Well done. A great walk yesterday, Louise. Sabrina, fair play to you. Did nearly 10,000 steps yesterday. Emer McCall in Cove. This was yesterday and it's my birthday today, 13 and a half thousand steps. Karen said, a quick walk from last week kept me moving. It's great for the mental health to be out there. Well done. You did a handy walk. Ashling did 18, just under 19,000 steps. Don't know where you are, but well done. Joyce and Ballinclock is exhausted. I'm exhausted. She nearly 20,000 steps and walked nearly eight and a half miles. Chloe, my steps on this wet, dreary day, just under 10,000. Tara Henley had a lovely walk at Dunboy down Castletown Bearway yesterday. Walk for an hour, did 7,000 steps. Uh, it's a screen shot from Aoife. What did she do? It's hard to see the print in that. But anyway, a good run. Apparently a good run. Thanks for getting me motivated, Neil. Look forward to supporting Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Big walk down around Rathcormack yesterday. Fair play to you, Gillian Kenny. Uh, to everybody in the in Sarah's household, who did a bit of a walk yesterday, five and a half kilometres. Kenneth Walsh is very funky and he's got um, he's got an Apple Watch. Oh, very posh. 13,000 yesterday down in Kinsale. Well done. Congratulations to Sheila Murray. She did over 8,000 yesterday. Just 
sent in Little Island did under 9,000 Megan O'Keefe down working in Cove Hospital walked around the hospital and walked around the hospital network did 5 miles nearly 12,000 steps well that's because Noreen Morrison did a screenshot of her walk in Carrigaline yesterday good on you burned 277 calories Fiona O'Regan did over 12,000 steps Betty and Lehenna Moore did 16,000 Maurice Sheehan and Liz Gould Oh, did a big one. Lovely relaxing run before I picked up the kids from school. Well done. Six kilometers. Uh, I'll leave it there for now and we'll do another one or two before I finish. But I just want to go out on a bit of a warning for people. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How I, are you? I don't have long, maybe 90 seconds and I may well come back to it in the morning. But what did you see? Um, I saw a man in um, Aldi in Black Rock um, approach another man. Now, the other ma- the, the, the man that was approached, he was actually on one of those mobility scooters. And um, I saw the man put his hand into the elderly man's wallet. He said to him, say nothing, and took money on him. Um, now, he did give him a white box. So I think he's approaching people to buy something. Um but the man was very vulnerable looking and um, quite nervous, I'd say, as well. And um, the other man took money out of his wallet. And do you know what he gave? Did you talk to the man on the scooter? Um, I did. I approached him afterwards and um, I asked him, first of all, was he OK? And was there anything I could do? Um, and he said, no. He said, um, I'm after being caught there. He took my money. What did he give so, him in this box? I have no idea. Now, I went back over to my own car and I sat into the car and he did approach me in the car afterwards. The same guy who took the money? Yes, he approached me in my car. Um, He had a white box in his hand and I never put down the window and I didn't open the door. I just put my hand up to him and he walked away. But he was going to other cars as well. So um, So we don't know. You didn't ask the guy in the scooter what's in the white box or anything, no? I didn't. No, I just asked him, was he okay? Um, and he says, I've been caught. The man, was, the man was very shook, to be honest, Neil, and he just wanted to go. I said, if there's anything I can do, he said, no, no. He said, he's after catching me there. He took my money. But so your man said I to the fella on the mobility scooter, say nothing, and he took money yeah, out of his wallet. He did. How yeah. much? Do you know? There was, there was 20 euros anyway, definitely. He definitely, I saw him with 20 euros, but like, I mean... I don't know what else. Is he kind of a big, intimidating looking guy, is he? He did. He looked very intimidating, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I just think, like, at this day and age, which there's a lot of elderly people trying to get their bit of shopping out this morning, there could be someone around. Sorry, I just lost you there. My apologies, but you are right, Fiona. I'll pick up on this in the morning if I get an opportunity to do so because this guy needs, we at least need an explanation as to what this character is up to, if nothing else. Now, Adrian, well done. You did uh, 22,000 steps yesterday. Michelle and Douglas did 13,000. Shirley DC Meehan, Carolyn Murphy and Cargoline, Colette and Grain sent in a screen grab. So did Philip. And uh, what else have I got? If you did nearly 35,000. Casey Capala sent it in as well, 10,000 steps. Morning here on my steps is Mary. I'm not sure where you are, nor Natasha. Anthony O'Leary is doing the business with her Apple Watch down in Clonakilty. Uh, Catherine Fitzgerald did a big walk in Castle Martyr. Linda Kelleher in Mil- Middleton. Uh, Martina Lehan as well. Oh, I'll pick up on the rest of the shadows tomorrow because I'm out of time for now. But apparently we have a winner for this morning. Kenneth Walsh, where are you? I'm in Kintail, Where were you walking down that neck of the woods? Um, I do a nice loop walk um, from community school down by the Trident Hotel and back into town. Every day? Is it in the morning or what? Uh, yeah, in the morning, and I do a shorter walk down in the afternoon. And is this something you took up uh, recently, or COVID, do you do it all the time? Oh, I know, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. On your own? With my, with my guide dog, Marley. 
You're got, are you are you um, unsighted? Uh, my vision impaired. Yeah, I, I sight. Yeah, but um, yeah. Well, so your vision impaired. Well, fair play to you. And Marley keeps you on the straight track, then straight and narrow. Oh, he does. He does. He does. <laughs> I love it. That's brilliant. And you're another one of these people with these funky Apple watches, are you? I am. Yeah, I am indeed. I'm told that they're a plague of a thing, though. You have to keep on charging them. Is that right? I get about two days out of mine. Oh, that's not too bad. Same as a mobile phone. Anyway, I wish I had more time. Well done. So you and Marley, your dog, have won a hundred euro Tesco gift card. So when you spend it, buy a couple of dog treats for the for the bow wow. All right. Oh, I will. Thanks, Neil. You're welcome. Enjoy your walk. That's sure. a lovely story. Well done. Thank you, Kenneth, and well done to you and to Marley. Um, okay, I just, just very, very quickly, I know I'm slightly over time, but it is relevant to the story from BlackRock this morning, the guy going around uh, trying to sell things in Verticomas. Finn, good morning. Morning, how are you? What do you know about this this character? Um, they're, they're selling knives. They do it in the same in Balafihan, and they offer you the bag of knives, for, the box of knives for free. And then um, they say, look, have you got the price of a pint? And when you open their wallet, they take the money and they don't give you any change. It's happening by the Aldi or Little there on Tory Top Road as well quite often. Okay. And they approach people in cars, i.e. the bank, when they see them in the bank machine, there's two of them, they're always around there. And it's those knives that you buy, you can get them in. They're cheap knives um, because they actually approached me there a couple of weeks ago as well. So the idea is to get you to take out your money. They'll whip yes, they it. Give, they, give, they, they offer you the box of knives free. Say, look, you're after. Look, they, they do a quick demonstration. They cut up a piece of paper and then they offer you the knife. Oh, for God's sake. And sakes. then they say, give the price of a pint. And when you open their wallet, say, look, I'll give you a change. And then they're gone. So what they're really catching is intimidated and frightened people, isn't it? There you go. Okay. You go. Thanks a lot, Finn. Appreciate the quick call. We'll pick it up in the morning. Lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Have a good day and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.